This podcast is brought to you by the Minis Forum NPB7 Mini PC. Click the link in the description to support Moore's Law Z and check out that fantastic micro workstation, but also support Moore's Law is Dead by using the offer code Broken Silicon for 10% off Vite Ramen or the offer code Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows keys at cdkeyoffer.com. You can also use DieString to get 3% off everything else on that website. And we'll talk about these supporters later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I am joined by someone who's coming on for for the third time, I believe. The last episode especially actually is performing incredibly well. I think that one turned out great, and, and no reason to think this one won't again. And I'm sure a lot of the people watching this saw the title, know who you are. I'm sure we share a lot of the same fans, but... Please, for someone who's stumbled in here, hasn't heard of Adored TV before, please introduce yourself. All right, guys, how's it going? It's Jim from Adored TV. As Tom said, I was on the show a few months ago, and yes, it was a pretty popular podcast. In fact, I noticed it's uh, over 150,000 views last time I checked, so that one went down very well, in fact. Uh, I'm Bryce. I'm not the Tom in that I run my own, uh, my Adored TV YouTube channel. I guess you could call me an analyst of sorts. That's kind of what maybe the major component of my YouTube Well, let's channel. say you're at like a dinner party or something, or a friend introduced you to another friend. Yeah. What do you call yourself? Because I struggle <laughs> with that. I mean, because <laughs> you say YouTuber, they think you're doing something entirely different than what you're really yeah, doing. Yeah, and they just assume that you've maybe got like 500 subscribers and like literally nobody watches you as well. Uh, normally, I introduce myself as, to be honest, these days, I either say YouTuber and stock trader, which is something that I'm doing quite a lot of and have mm-hmm. been for the past uh, year and a half. Or I will say ex-YouTuber, <laughs> because to be <laughs> honest with you, uh, compared to my like previous output of um, previous years, there's no question that I just don't quite have the same motivation. And uh, although I'm still very interested in it, I'm kind of releasing videos because I feel like people miss me. <laughs> so I feel a bit kind of guilt-tripped into releasing videos back and forward. I do still enjoy it, but I much more enjoy it once the video is finished with and uh, I can get back to concentrating on other things, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, but maybe maybe it'll come back, yeah? I am sort of hoping that this whole AI thing, which looks like it is really taking off now, this mm-hmm. is something that I am obviously very interested in. If you ever saw my, uh, did you watch my Singularity video? The Singularity, it was the one with Elon Musk and stuff like that. And I mean, it only that was like, a while ago, right? It was a couple of years ago, anyway. It got. Like, I think so. I think that sounds familiar to me, but it, that was a bit ago, so I don't remember the specifics. I mean, anytime I do one of these sort of videos where it may be tech focused, but it's not directly focusing on the, you know, the Trinity, AMD, Nvidia, or Intel. 
they just don't do that well. And whenever I do any other kind of science videos, they don't, I mean, 30,000 views is sort of like bang on, which these videos get. But as I know that my typical video is probably going to have 50, 60, 70,000. Um, mm -hmm. So I do these out of the pure love of the subject, basically. Yeah. Um, not that, not that to be honest with you, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 views in, on YouTube <laughs> once per, once every couple of weeks. That's not a sort of uh, living you can make on that either. So there is, there is for me still an element of doing it just for the sheer love of it. Uh, but I, I definitely love it a bit less than, than I used to. Uh, that's for sure. Which will be very disappointing to hear from like a lot of my fans. But I think they all realize that, you know, times change, times move on. And yeah, I'm mostly hoping that the whole AI thing gets me, it gets me going again. One of the major problems with this is, I mean, I was hoping to do an AI video for maybe my 500th video, but mm -hmm. it is already such a huge subject. And where do you even start with something like that? So, you know, it could take a while and then who knows, maybe some really cool leak will pop up in my inbox next week and I'll have to like get that video out instead. Kind of what happened with this current one, my uh, MI300 uh, mm -hmm. video. I hadn't planned on that at all, but then a couple of slides pop into my inbox and I said, yeah, you know what? It's about time that I did a video on that. So that's what I did. Well, that's basically you know, me, yeah. I was going to push back, though, a little bit. It's like I think maybe you're less interested in having the same conversations that you've had and that yeah, we all sometimes point. run into right in the video after video. That is a good point. Uh because I see you do videos and you are excited when you do them, like yeah. even an RDNA 3 one. So I think you are seeing things where it's like, well, I do want to talk about this. Well, know? I was excited about that. And then what did the AMD do? Of course, they've, they've gone and sort of killed <laughs> perfect that. Perfect execution as usual at Radio. That's what happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're perfectly good at executing themselves, I think. Uh, so in all honesty, when I saw that, what was it, Dave, was it, no, Rick Bergman and David Wang, that interview they had in Japan, that was just like a kick in the teeth for me. And, uh, and I thought, you know, if they're not even going to try to win when they've got an easy way to win, what is it, what is it damn point? So yeah, I was really excited when I figured out, you know, this chiplet thing that they did with RDNA3, this could have been huge. And instead it's, well, it's led us to, the dire state of the GPU market today, which we just talked about. In your opinion, it's not quite so bad or it's getting better? Well, it depends what you're comparing it to. Yeah. It's certainly better than last year. And I'd <laughs> argue than the year before. And it's, see, and you know, it's also on a trajectory. It seems like it's prices are just getting better. And a key component to this that I felt, you know, I, we've both been following graphics cards between NVIDIA and AMD for decades. It, this is one of the first times I can remember where I was finally seeing the general consumer base making the same decisions I might, right? Like, I, I can't believe, like, I guess to back up, which I, I know you've talked about very similar subjects, um, but when I saw the G, when I see people say things like, Oh, the RTX 4070 Ti is an, a 104 die uh, yep. that they're trying to sell for $800. How can they think they can get away with this? 
And I was like, it, like if you could imagine appearing on screen a GTX 1080 Founders Edition announcement, like I don't know where did they get the idea they could sell a 104 die yeah. for over 700 uh, when you guys all gave them a standing ovation for Pascal. The 1080 yeah. was it what 320 millimeters squared or something? The the Founders was 700 during the holiday season of 2016. It went to 800 on average street pricing. Yeah, maybe they got it from you guys giving them a standing ovation the first time they did it. You couldn't even get like, one ago. for months. I mean, that was a thing. It went months where the supply was terrible, and they were clearly selling out at that price. So yeah. So I I mean, you know. When I looked at like Turing, I would have said the same thing. I'm like, I don't know where they get that idea from, you know, (laughs) you know, but now these things aren't selling well. And it's like, oh, it seems like finally people have realized like what's going on here and are actually reacting as badly as I think they should be in sales to a lot of the recent releases. The thing is, you know, go on. It's difficult to tell because obviously last year there was still quite a bit of sales during like because of mining. Yeah. And so the arse mm-hmm. has fallen out the bottom of that, sort of fallen out the bottom of that. And uh, I mean, if you look at the revenue chart, we can see that you know revenue is down compared on a year ago in, in their gaming segment. But are they still selling actually just too many cards to gamers at, I mean, 1200 bucks for a 4080? I mean, that is a good card. I really like it, but <laughs> not at that price. No. So I just don't know if, if it's better or not. In, in my opinion... I mean, I think everyone's opinion must have been coloured by the recent event, which is the the launch of the 4060 Ti. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I'm struggling to think of a worse graphics card than that in history that I can think of. It is so bad. It's just absolutely awful. What was it? 185 square millimetres. A 4060. Yep. Everything is wrong with this card, right? The branding is completely wrong. The performance is completely wrong. This is this is a forty fifty, not a forty sixty. <laughs> I know. I yeah, know. and I mean, yeah, it looks efficient because it's meant to be a forty. Because it's a forty fifty. Yeah, I, I yeah. was talking to people in the Moore's Laws Discord a week ago, and uh, the, there was I was on when the seventy six hundred launched, and people were like, "Well, you know, this isn't a very impressive card," and I'm like, "Well." Should ideally be cheaper, but they did just take Navi 23, make it 14% smaller, stronger, and use less energy. From a silicon design perspective, it's pretty impressive. But yeah, I think they should have called it the 7500 XT and made it 200 or 250, ideally. But at least it's not 400. And and when people say Lovelace isn't that impressive, I said, and also a reminder, the 4060 Ti is twice as strong as the previous 50 which is what yeah. you should be like comparing it to if it was a 300 dollars 4050 or a 250 dollars 4050 it would be really impressive for the 4090 double 3090 performance roughly you know so but it's not they charged 400 and called it a 4060 ti it's absolutely absurd i mean I, looking, I through, looking through the notes that you sent one of the questions actually was well, no, who, the one i'll throw in here right now is Chris Risk writes in and he asks, with the initial sales of the 4060 Ti and the 7600, did we just witness a fundamental shift in the GPU market? Might the 4060 Ti 16GB and standard 4060, which is priced at $300, also flop as well? And if they do flop, would you expect NVIDIA to just shrug it off? After all, they've done nothing much since the 4080 flopped half a year ago, and they don't seem to be making a fundamental shift despite sales flop after sales flop. 
Right, so oh, let me start with the 7600, right? Because <laughs> I actually only realised on launch day that this was TSMC 6 nanometers. Up until this point, I was assuming 5 nanometers again for that mm-hmm. black card. Uh, and when I saw the reviews, I compared it instantly to the 4060 Ti, and it's like 25% slower, around about the same kind of uh, power draw and a slightly larger die. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if the 4060 Ti was so bad, in my opinion, that 7600 must be absolutely awful. And I was not impressed. It was only then that I realised, ah, but wait a minute, it's actually TSMC 6 nanometers and not, and not like 4 slash 5. Had that been on 5 nanometers, it would probably have matched the 4060 Ti completely. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been a wash in results uh, and on power. Uh, which is still very, very unimpressive as far as I'm concerned. Obviously because, as I just said, the 4060 Ti looks like one of the worst cards I have ever seen in my life. The 7600, because it's 6 nanometers, now obviously it could be that little bit cheaper, and it was. Um, AMD could never have charged $400 for that mm-hmm. card. Even if it was on 5 nanometers, they couldn't have, they couldn't have charged that because NVIDIA is charging 400 or the 4060 Ti. Uh, I don't think the 7600 is absolutely abysmal, unlike the, the 4060 Ti. However, I mean, there's nothing really exciting about it. The price is okay, I think, 270 bucks. In, in the US, the European prices are pathetic, though. It's over 300 euros, uh, which is just unbuyable as far as I'm concerned. But well, I mean, that's, that's because we add tax on top of it, Yeah, you get tax it, right? afterwards, yeah, depending on state. Like, there's some states, like, I want to say Minnesota, like, doesn't have a sales tax on, like, clothing. But I, I think everyone right. taxes electronics pretty much. And if it's I'm wrong... We're talking generally yeah. 10, 10% or so, or 10 to 15%. Yeah, it'd be like 5 to 10% on right, top okay. of that. So, I mean, VAT in Europe is basically 20 to 25%. Uh, which is, of course, included in the prices. I kind of already factored that in, and it still doesn't quite add up for us here. Uh, the prices are just not that good at all. Uh, but it doesn't look too bad in America, like I said. Uh, the well, let me ask you this, though. Is there literally any price that would make this card interesting? Because I've seen some reviewers go, you know, if it was $250, it would be great. Or, and then I'd say, no, I think then you'd say it should be 230 because these are eight gigabyte cards. Unless yeah. they're like one fifty, they're not that interesting. Like yeah. let's be in, let's be honest here. Yeah, they're maybe... never going to be interesting. It's either terrible or not in the low end now. Yeah, I, I don't think it's easy to make a card like this interesting. Unless it, I mean, unless you know it had sixteen gigs of RAM, then it would have been interesting at even three hundred. Probably it's on but... par with the RTX twenty eighty at ten eighty p. Yeah, which kind of mm-hmm. you can make these cards seem more interesting when you compare them to like older generation Nvidia cards. It falls away at 1440p and at 4K, obviously, because it's got that tiny bus. Um, but if you, if you look at it as a pure 1080p card and compare it to an RTX 2080, I guess you could say, you know what? It's not that bad, 270, 280 bucks. It's not that bad. Yeah, sure, 230 would have made it all the nicer. But taking 40 bucks off of that card, I mean... I don't think that leaves an awful lot less for, left for AMD, in all honesty, or their partners. Um, 
So we I think they could have done 250 if they wanted to be super yeah. aggressive, but I think anything below that, and they are cutting into margins more than they well, have for years. Well, well, Not to say that we should be brooding for them to, I yeah. will say, I'm getting a little annoyed at a certain point where these companies act like there's some edict from God that says they must always have higher margins every gen. I don't know where this is coming from that they yeah. think they can get away with that. No, but it's been well, they're not getting away with it, so, you know. NVIDIA seems to be getting away with it, at least. Uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, like the, the entry, you know, this almost looks a bit like collusion again. And I'm going to be careful when I say that because with, with AMD going on 6 nanometers and NVIDIA being on like 4 slash 5, NVIDIA already knew that AMD could not compete uh, with, with that class of card with their 4060 Ti. So then they can slap on 8 gigabytes of VRAM, which is rubbish, bump up the price to 400, and AMD's now got a little bit of space to sell a card someplace below 300. And, uh, I mean, it's almost like there's no competition. I mean, both of these cards are not particularly great, but if you're looking mm -hmm. for a $400 new graphics card, what are your options? You don't really have an awful lot of options, do you? You've got the 4060 Ti, and, and that's it. Um, well, no, you can go buy a 6,800, 16 gigabyte that yeah, will if, compete if almost with mind, a 4070, you know. If you don't mind going back uh, to the previous gen. And you know, here's another thing, yeah. If I had to buy a second-hand graphics card, it would need to be like the 6,800, which I am quite interested in. Mm. But I'm, not, I'm still not interested in it, that sort of price that, that that's kicking around. Certainly not in Europe, at least. I certainly would, would not be going from like 16 gigabytes down to 8 gigabytes uh, for the 4060 Ti. Absolutely not. Uh, so well, the mean, problem with an 8 gigabyte card is I just don't know who's looking for an 8 gigabyte card, period, this year. Like, who doesn't already have one? Like, I, I, honest to God, that is the argument I would make here. That's a good the, point, yeah. The only I mean, reason these exist is to replace a broken card. Like, kind of like the 6500 like, XT, to be honest. The only reason that really existed is in case your card broke during the pandemic, <laughs> right? Like, that's it. But I mean, a lot of people bought GTX 1060s, yeah? And uh, they only had like but six that was gigabyte six, of them. Yeah, yeah so. but remember the previous gen had, you know, two gigabyte 960s. Yeah. So I, I, it was actually pretty interesting, I think. And... That came after a generation where the 960, I mean, I, I just did a video where I directly compare the 4060 Ti to the 960. The 960 was a 128-bit card that yeah. they were calling a 60 class that actually kind of lost to the 760, to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, the next gen, they doubled performance and gave you triple the RAM. Yeah. So one might hope they would do that next gen, but I actually don't know that they will now, you know, because well, of how much NVIDIA's focus has changed. I mean, there's a kind of overarching thing here in that because there's such a huge focus on AI now from both companies, um, the cutting-edge silicon I just can't see being used for PC gaming graphics next time around. I think that, you know, NVIDIA can always sell a chopped-down version of their, you know, their top pro card, like, for example, what they're doing with the RTX 3090, which is a cut-down version of you know whatever whatever Pro card that is. Nvidia can get away with that, like on so having their very highest card consumer card on the latest node. But all these other cards down below, I don't think. I think we're reaching the point where 
we won't see these on three nanometers, at least not initially. Uh, AMD have already sort of started it with a six nanometer intro card in the 7600. Mm -hmm. NVIDIA have done entire series before on, on backward tech, like that's what the 3000 series was. RTX 3000 was Samsung 8 nanometers. And I think that because there's such a focus on AI, that is where the cutting edge, you know, that's where, that's where the cutting edge chips are going. And I think PC gamers are just going to be completely screwed. If it doesn't happen next gen, it's going to happen the gen after it. Um, I think let's come back to the 7646 Ti in a second and try to jump more to like the whole NVIDIA pivoting to AI thing. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting though, that I, there's really two ways to look at NVIDIA's recent earnings, right? Yeah. You know, um, and you know, of course we waited to talk, uh, to do this conversation a little longer than usual for NVIDIA's Computex to come out just in case they announced something like a 4090 Ti or something crazy. Yeah. Um, and of course all they really did is talk about Hopper, which is where all of their money seems to be coming from now yep. and Hopper next. I, that's probably the most interesting thing is actually they announced Hopper next production August next year. Yeah. So three nan and it's on three nanometers. So three nanometer production starts late next year like has been rumored for a long time mm -hmm. um and in their recent earnings though they showed that their data center revenue continues to go way up they forecast yeah. will keep going up and gaming is way way down you know some people saw like their stock price go up and they said well gaming screwed and i looked at them and i said uh last time i checked NVIDIA's revenue is now almost the same as AMD's in gaming. So yeah. on the one hand, the company's, for now at least, fine, doing great. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good if you're an investor. If you're a gamer, though, the conclusion you might make is they are actually possibly losing market share to AMD right now, and AMD's gaming revenue is getting to a point where they're a comparable company to an NVIDIA. And if this continues, I'm not sure how if NVIDIA will just shrug it off or not. But if this continues, there's a lot of evidence that AMD is being rewarded for selling their last gen for like half off, whereas well, NVIDIA refuses to. I mean, AMD by this point, last, in last quarter, must have outsold NVIDIA in graphics chips by quite a distance. However, the vast majority of those were PlayStation 5s. Yeah? I mean, that's where all the gaming revenue is coming for AMD. PlayStation had like a massive increase in sales last quarter. It was up like, I can't remember exactly, was it like 8 million units or something? They really sold a ton of PlayStation. Whereas NVIDIA... Well, the revenue is about even though, and their yeah. margins have only slightly gone down. And right. the PlayStation is, of course, lower margin than graphics. Yeah. So I, I think there's no way around it, though. Their graphics market share probably also went up relative to NVIDIA's, no matter what the uh, Internet Cafe survey on Steam says. <laughs> it might have done. However, I don't believe it will have. And if it has, it's been by like a very small margin. Yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, sure. NVIDIA's prices are just crazy. And, you know, Having a 4080 at that kind of price, I can definitely see why a lot of NVIDIA buyers would just have drew the line there and said, absolutely not paying 1200 bucks for a for, the, for my series of graphics card. I can see how that's maybe hurt them. Um, mm -hmm. People buying a 4, I'm pretty sure the 4090 is doing all right though, because that is, you know, no getting away from it. That's an extremely fast graphics card. 
Um, stuff that like one is doing all right. Yeah. One thing I hear, though, um, from retailers, at least, I'm, I don't know if I've talked to this. Yeah, this So most of these reports have come from the U.S. on this one. Yeah. But they're restricting supply of the 4090. Like, they still are because they yeah. don't want the price to collapse right now. So while it's selling well, it's not selling well enough to make up for no one buying anything else in their generation. And if I look at 4090 prices on Newegg right now, oh, they did just go up a little bit because I have heard there's... But you can usually find one for, okay, there's some that are at MSRP, though. So this isn't like a situation where, oh, there's one for 1500 So that's below MSRP. So yeah, I mean, this is a situation, though, where even the 4090 is starting to slump a bit. I, I personally think that's more so to do with, there's only so many people who are going to buy a $1,600 graphics card on Earth. So I think, like, it's got, I think more to do with all of this is you just need to look at what happened to Intel and AMD, uh, both of their client divisions last quarter. They both absolutely cratered. And if people aren't buying PCs, then they're not going to buy a graphics card either. That's generally how it, how it works. So the entire PC market is just, you know, and in the dirt, it's really collapsed to the point where hopefully it's at its worst point in a very long time. But NVIDIA still, I mean, they still had made more money compared to the previous quarter, if not the previous year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they're not selling very many cards, but nobody's buying PC parts at all. I'm not convinced that this is a reflection of NVIDIA's prices or NVIDIA, you know, or let's just call it AMD doing better in PC. I'm convinced that this is a an overall PC market problem, and that's why NVIDIA are down so low. Um, and that's also why AMD are staying there, because as I said, PS5 sold an awful lot of units last quarter. <laughs> I, think, I think that's just pent-up demand, though, as well, because, I mean, how long did we go without being able to pick up a PS5? It was like 18 months ago. It's actually or so. kind of... It's it's been in stock for about six months, so that would yeah. you know show now. I, I will say though, you know, a PlayStation Five is a gaming device, though, yeah. and there's plenty of people that are probably also pivoting to that. I, I don't know. I I think no matter how you dice it, though, AMD's gaming revenue is down six percent. Nvidia's is down thirty eight percent. If this yeah. trend were to continue, it's a, it's great. You know, clap for Jensen Wang. You become an AI company, but it's not like. The way I see a lot of gamers online portray it is NVIDIA is getting away with murder. No, they're not. They're not. They're becoming less and less relevant to gaming. And maybe you could argue they're choosing to. And I'm sure to a certain extent they are. But I'm sure they would still rather be doing good at both, you know? And this idea that they can just keep doing this forever, I'm not convinced that that we're seeing any evidence that's true. I think that at a minimum, they're seeing that. And again, it's a little too early for me to say this. You know, let's see what happens over the next two quarters. Well, but, I mean, look, the, the whole reason for why NVIDIA gained so much like uh, in, in, in their stock value after the last quarter, it certainly had nothing to do with gaming, yeah? It was all about, they put up a, what was it? They said $11 billion in revenue for the second quarter. If you look at the first quarter revenue, it's just over $7 billion. And now NVIDIA is saying, we're going to hit about $11 billion in revenue second quarter. Mm-hmm. Gaming might, I mean, even if gaming is gaming's at $2.24 billion of, of that current $7.2 billion. Mm-hmm. 
So that means there's five, 5 billion elsewhere. Data center was 4.3. Next quarter, gaming might hit, let's just like for the sake of argument, say gaming hits 3 billion. The data center's still going to hit about 7 billion. So this oh, is it's, all it's about- Oh, it's going to come from data center for yeah, sure from the people I've is. talked to. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you kind of, here's the thing. As I said earlier, they're all using the same four slash five nanometer wafers at TSMC. And one of the reasons why NVIDIA didn't make so much money in the data center this quarter is because they just didn't quite have the wafer supply mm -hmm. on, on four slash five. Next quarter, they must have plenty of wafers because they're adding another three billion plus in their data center revenue, four billion overall. And when it comes down to it, you know, these H100s are selling for probably 40,000 a piece, I reckon. It might be that much, maybe maybe not quite. The gaming graphics, it, it doesn't matter how many you know, gaming graphics chips they sell at that price. They're never, they're never going to match that kind of, uh, that, that kind of revenue and, and margins that they get. So it's just a simple fact. You know, NVIDIA is not a charity. They needed wafers for H100 next quarter. And mm -hmm. if they had to cut back And I want to be clear, I talked to someone at NVIDIA like a, a couple weeks ago that said, we cannot keep H100 in stock and it will not yeah. be in stock for, like this is where, it, you know, this person was saying, this is where it's all coming from yep. and we wish we had more supply. So I have no doubt that when they looked at gaming sales in quarter four, which are their pre-orders for Hopper, they just shifted some, as much supply as they could, you yeah. know, and like, cut gaming bought more hopper so for again for sure that's where that's coming from and that was yeah. obviously a good decision for their company but that's a different discussion than if their gaming is being rewarded but no continue please i mean it might depend on how much inventory they're sitting on uh, for lovelace as well if they're sitting on a bunch of inventory then they may as well just cut supply and throw more into h100 Mm -hmm. uh, but that, this just means that prices are not going to come down. I mean, prices are going to stay exactly the same or go up the way, uh, if that's the case. If they simply don't have the wafers, then what, what, why do they need to drop prices? They wouldn't. They just wouldn't do it. AMD, on the other hand, they would need to sort of see this coming, analyze that NVIDIA would not be able to meet the gaming market demands and then you know shift up production on their gaming GPUs, knowing fine well that it might not work anyway. Even, even if there was like a massive demand for PC gaming graphics, the reality is that's a massive demand for NVIDIA PC gaming graphics, not AMD. And people would probably buy used before they went to AMD, I think. Uh, so I don't see that AMD are going to capitalize on this in any way, shape or form. Absolutely not. Well, what if I told you, though, that... Um, you know, well, NVIDIA does have, of course, a ton of inventory left over from... Yeah. You know, I've said it I couple like I think over a year ago now, like I was told NVIDIA has one to two years of Ampere supply in warehouse. Like and and if you were to go, you mean tens of millions of cards. Yeah, tens of millions of extra Ampere cards they don't need. So yeah. those are gonna be sitting there driving down prices for a very long time. Of course, NVIDIA is doing their best to try to trickle out supply so it doesn't completely collapse. Yeah. But if you go to eBay right now, you can get a used, I think, 3070 for under 300. So it doesn't really matter what they do. You know, the barges of used cards are just there. And yeah. They're going to be pulling down prices as well, um, which, again, makes the 4060 Ti all the more hilarious. Uh, but 
I mean, real. I mean, it's, you can get a thirty seventy for two ninety. Why would I be getting a four hundred dollar forty sixty Ti that turns out yeah. it's actually weaker? This piece of content is brought to you by the Minis Forum NPB Seven, a fantastic mini PC powered by an i seven thirteen seven hundred H. 16 gigabytes of RAM, and a Gen 4 NVMe SSD that comes in 512 gigabytes, 1,000 gigabytes, and, well, really, this thing can be as many gigabytes as you want because it's user-upgradable, and, man, is it easy to user-upgrade it with this click-open top, and it also accepts a full SATA SSD as well. I wouldn't call it a fantastic gaming system, but it's certainly capable of casual gaming, playing basically any older game decently, or even running a couple of AAA games at minimum settings in a pinch. I think it's perfect for anyone that wants a compact desktop that feels like a full workstation that you can put in a fanny pack. And if you want to support Moore's Law is Dead, please check it out in the link in the description. Clicking on that link helps the channel a lot. And of course, I think this is a pretty dang good product actually as well. Check out Minis Forum products today. Um, but also what I've heard recently is at AMD, most of their inventory issues are solved um, compared to NVIDIA, who has years worth of extra supply. But they do, apparently, I've heard, still supposedly have just a ton of Navi 23 cards and a, and I believe a ton of Navi 33. Like The only reason they would make a 4060 competitor on six nanometer instead of five is for market share. There's, there's yeah. no reason not like I, I, you'd see people go, well, I thought that node's cheaper. Yeah. But like what? It's like an extra 20 bucks for the Silicon then maybe. And yeah, if you, you can make the board cheaper cause it uses less energy. It's barely cheaper to use six nanometer. All that does is unrestrict supply. And I, I've, I'm pretty sure they've got warehouses of millions of these cards that they wanted to launch last year, but then they had too many last gen and they just kept playing chicken with the market. And I think what's going on right now is they have to launch it. Like they have to, it just can't keep sitting in warehouses. I would so, agree that the 7600 is a card that could, could definitely gain AMD market share be simply because it's on six nanometers. And well, they've got to get rid of them and they have too much Navi 23 supply from what I've heard. So what I guess what I'm saying is in the high end, it's a bit up for debate, but in the low end, if anyone thinks like $200, eight gigabyte AMD cards are going away, I don't think so. I think they've got yeah. tons to sell stone. They're going to be that cheap and they're going to stay that cheap. Yeah. I would certainly say that if there's a chance at market share gains, that's where it is. Yeah. I don't really see anything happening much uh, at the high end. They just never sold that many high-end cards, AMD, anyway, com comparatively. Yeah, I mean, well, I, the I XTX is selling very better. well, though. I think they're doing the better. Yeah, but very well to AMD and very well to Nvidia are two completely different things. Sadly, um, <laughs> you know, we're probably talking tens of thousands of units difference here. We're not talking millions of units. Yeah, we are in this. We're in the. the I think we could be thing. talking. No, I think it could be more than tens of thousands for the XTX. So, yeah. uh, absolutely. Every retailer I talk to says they still can't keep the damn thing in stock. That's like that thing was yeah. selling for over MSRP for a while. And that surprised me. Now the 7,900, <laughs> let's do this. The 7,900 XT, which yeah. should have been called the 7,800 XT. Yeah, that was a sales disaster at first, but yeah. the sales are picking up. I, I just don't know how AMD always finds some way to shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> when they have a good product, but they always seem to. I, I guess, though, what I'm trying to get to is no one's saying here that NVIDIA is in trouble. No one, or I'm not, and I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that AMD is going to take all of the market right now. 
But I guess what gives me some hope right now is that there is clearly a line. You know, there was no line with Pascal. There was no line with Turing. There was, Ampere made us feel like all hope was lost. I'm seeing the line drawn in the sand by gamers right now. And it's staying drawn in the sand. And I talked to AIBs and they're getting nervous, but they're not getting nervous about AMD. The 7600 is selling well. XTX is selling well. 7900 XT sales are picking up. Yeah, it's not, you know, AMD is not going to take over 40%, probably not even over 35, but they're no. not at like 25 anymore. They're no. not. No one I talk to says they are. They are taking market share. I'll be surprised and, if they even get to 25% personally. That would be an interesting one for me if they even get that far, even with NVIDIA's prices. I think. Well, it depends what, who you're following, though, right? I don't think there's any really good data anymore on that. Um, yeah, true. I, I, honestly, there'd be no way to settle that. I, I think they're actually at. 30% right now. But. Seriously, I'd, I'd really question that. But you never know. I mean, if they, if they are going to get market share back, I'm pretty sure the 7600 is a card to, that they will try to do it with. But even if that was case, let's say for, for argument's sake, you're right and they were at 30%. They now need to shift over to AI chips as well. I mean, what, what are they going to do? Because MI300 is five nanometers again, isn't it? Yeah, it's f- yeah, five and six nanometer. Yeah, yeah, which is again in competition with uh, seventeen hundred XT XTX. So, what does AMD do? I mean, a lot depends on how many wafer starts they've got as well, of course. But well, that's the complicated thing too. Like when I talked to like how Nvidia was handling Lovelace and Ampere oversupply, there was kind of this thing always looming where they'd go. Well, remember if it doesn't sell in gaming. And this is happening right now from people I, I well, I've, not just people I've talked to. If you want an RTX 6000 for three grand, you can get it right now. <laughs> so NVIDIA is yeah. like doing half off on data, on professional visualization and data center to make up for their gaming sales falling apart. AMD doesn't really have that option. Like, because they, 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 they I mean, you want to talk about small market share, their professional market share is like near zero. Yeah. So, like, that, they, they can't just shift stuff into professional if gaming doesn't sell and they buy allocation ahead of time so on the one hand that's often made amd make mistakes where with rdna2 they just didn't make enough cards and everyone i talked to thinks they could have taken market share with that one yeah um but then at the same time they planned to take market share with rdna3 um they did and so they have these piles of cards i'm pretty sure they have a ton of 7,900 XT yields just sitting in a warehouse too right now. So the good news for gamers is that AMD has to go for market share because professional isn't going to buy it. Yeah. You know, I guess that's also what I'm saying here too, is they kind of have to go for it. And I think, and I think it's a little premature to really make any grand conclusions. Cause I don't want to be clear to everybody listening. Like I'm not making a grand conclusion about market share taking and all of this because I still want to see another quarter of what happens. But I don't know yeah. if we. What happens if we see another corner and Nvidia's revenue and gaming isn't? What's it going to go up from the forty sixty Ti? I know we held it on stage, but I don't yeah. think anyone's buying that. Uh, I don't know. I think another quarter may go by, and and finally people are going to start asking, "Hey, Nvidia, are you going to do any price drops here, I, or do you not think that's going to happen? Do you think, like, I guess let's just make it hypothetical. Do you think if Nvidia's gaming revenue stays flat or goes down again that anyone will start asking questions or they'll just say whatever i think i mean this is actually really interesting because 
if it goes up to say three billion out of that mm-hmm. eleven billion, then you could look at it and say, yeah, it's pretty much what I said. The gaming market has basically created. It's, it's rebounded somewhat, and both Intel and AMD are expecting a rebound next quarter. Not not a huge rebound, but they're definitely expecting to see the bottom of the PC market. Uh, you know, that's the worst of it over. So three billion would be like top for me in Nvidia. Right now they're at two point two, as I said. Um, I, I would stayed, say three billion is a great sign. That's quarter two, twenty twenty two numbers. I would say yeah. that's a great sign. If you would say that was billion. a great sign, I would say that was basically what I would expect from a rebound in the PC market for Nvidia. If it stays the same, then I think it's pretty clear that yeah, the, they must have cut production uh, in gaming and moved it to H one hundred. Um, and if it drops, then you can say that for an absolute certainty that that is what it, they have done. They have slashed production on on gaming graphics and thrown everything into H one hundred. But you know, <sighs> Nvidia they're so damn fortunate, or they're just so damn good that they're either there at the right time every single time, mm. or you know, Jensen's a genius. I think probably both are true there, in all honesty, because... Yeah, there's definitely some of both and a little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, like, at right time, but he's... Yeah. I, th- I pointed this out in a recent video. There's no way around it. I'm not saying it's the same thing. Everyone calm down before I say this. <laughs> but there are some pretty hilarious meme quotes from Jensen where he said, the NFT metaverse is our future of blockchain or something <laughs> two years ago. The second blockchain falls apart, everything's AI. So you can say that's, I don't think that's just a coincidence. Now, would they have been betting on AI anyways? Oh, probably, but yes. there's a yeah. little bit here where they're laundering their mining plans into AI because, well, yeah. well, they have to, you know? But it's and not so they have a financial that. responsibility to do that. The fact is, we've come to like a PC downturn, huge PC downturn that's lasted six, nine months. Yeah. And people then start, you know, companies start stop to like buying wafers at TSMC, which was at full capacity for all that time. Yeah. You couldn't get, you couldn't buy a single wafer at TSMC. The, mm-hmm. the PC network takes a massive downturn. All of a sudden, people are, uh, sorry, companies have stopped buying so many wafers. What does that mean? It means there's a bunch of free wafers for NVIDIA to snap up and, and basically, you know, finally get their H100s into very high volume manufacturing, which is going to make them a fortune next quarter. This is capacity that simply did not exist six months mm-hmm. ago. And yet we know that Jensen has said, well, you know what? We're going to buy all of that free capacity now which could be like 20% of TSMC's entire wafer allocation. Yeah. So that's that. NVIDIA just went and bought all of that, and now they're going to reap in like billions next quarter because of it. You can see this. And they're using their 7 nanometer for A100. They're still making tons of A100, I've heard. Yeah, they will be. Yeah. No doubt about it, because if you need AI right now, then your choices are extremely limited. AMD will be shifting MI250Xs as well, Mm -hmm. simply because... You need to buy whatever's available. The problem is, from next quarter onwards, I'm afraid it's going to be all H100, and we're going to see NVIDIA just go completely out of sight before AMD is actually ready with, like, MI300, maybe Q3. Let's hope for Q3, basically, this year. Otherwise, you know, this is really important because... It is right now that everybody's losing their mind over AI chips. Yeah. Elon Musk mm-hmm. was on Twitter and he said, or maybe not Twitter, but some place he said, 
everybody and their dog is trying to get hold of of graphics cards today, and there's just there's just no there's no supply there. But the demand is huge. Well, Nvidia have now already. You can bet on it because that's where the eleven billions coming from next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, next quarter. So Nvidia have already started that. They've got the chips there. They're throwing the these H one hundreds out as quick as they possibly can, and the money is going to be rolling their way. And this is just going to continue and continue and continue. I mean, I reckon Nvidia is probably at worst 95% AI market share already, and it could be as high as 99%. That's how far it, that's how far ahead they are. And see, once they're there, once they're in there, and people are, you know, people, corporations are training their users on, on using like NVIDIA, CUDA, QDNN, uh, it's very, very difficult to shift, shift away from that. I mean, they are the incumbent. AMD needs something really, really, really special in order to convince corporation to move over to MI300 uh, by that point. It's the exact same thing as we saw with CUDA and, and professional, yeah? And uh, even, even the client market, stuff like PhysX just convinced NVIDIA fanboys that they simply had to have NVIDIA no matter what cost. The same thing. Well, you got to make that popcorn appear when you shoot a wall, right? <laughs> yeah. It looks terrible, but yeah, AMD like can't do it as well yeah. unless you modify an, a- an I and I file, of course. But. <laughs> but that's, I mean, this is, you know, this is a, a NVIDIA are in incredibly strong position in AI, incredibly strong. And uh, sadly, AMD lagging again by the looks of things to me. Yep, they will benefit from the hype. But for how much longer? Uh, how much longer are they going to benefit from the hype and the lack of supply? Because Nvidia, you know, that lack of supply is something that Nvidia will deal with sooner rather than later. Well, you know, I uh, I had a question I was going to read from Dino Nine 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 about: Do you think this bet on AI will pay off? I mean, I think the answer is yes. Right? It's a resounding yeah. yes. It's already paid mm-hmm. off. You know, and Jensen Huang isn't going to go on stage during this first first quarter financial call and say 11 billion next quarter because if they only make 9 billion you know the stock's going to absolutely crater so mm-hmm. and remember we're halfway through the bloody quarter already so they already know what kind of money they've made compared to last quarter uh, and they know what kind of orders are coming in so yeah Nvidia are going to hit 11 billion plus dollars so it's money in the bank as far as I'm concerned uh, so they're there already and yeah, it's already paid off for them massively. I said on Twitter like last month, uh, I think it was Kepler said something, and I had to, I, I wrote a tweet saying something like, "I won't be surprised if Nvidia at this rate, Nvidia will have higher data center revenue at some point in twenty twenty three compared to Intel." <laughs> they already achieved oh, it. Well, this yeah, no, they already I mean, achieved it this quarter. I didn't realize, but now next quarter. NVIDIA's data center revenue will be higher than Intel and AMD's combined. Yeah? That's how You far know, it's I funny, think. though. You talk about failing to capitalize on the AI boom. Intel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, comparatively, right? It's it's a complete... Like, it's funny how, like, NVIDIA's stock price goes up. I don't know how much it went up. Like, what? Like, 20, 30% or more? 20%, yeah. And then uh, AMD's goes up, like, 15 or 20. Yeah. Intel's, eh. Intel dropped by seven percent the same day. <laughs> no one trusts Intel, you know. It's just uh, why would they? The state why of would things. They? I mean, for Falcon Shores, it, 
apparently they've completely yeah, changed. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Ponte Vecchio and PowerPoint Shores in five years? Yeah, I mean, there's no. That's why things are looking extremely bad for them. Uh, and the the biggest overarching thing here is Jensen went and said today most data centers have like multiple CPUs and a single GPU. In in the near future, it's going to be flipped around. You have one CPU and multiple GPUs. And he's he's right. He's always Mm. bloody right about these things. Uh, That's how it's going to go. And Intel, I've I've got nothing. Ponte Vecchio was how much slower compared to what it was supposed to be? Let's be honest. It was like, what, an MI150X competitor that's now going to compete with the 300X and cost twice as much. It's... It's going to cost twice, like as much or more to make and be half the performance of AMD. And, and the thing is, like, not- Jeff McVeigh had an interview with someone recently, Jeff McVeigh of Intel, uh, and we learned that Falcon Shores, which was supposed to be an APU, that's now just going to be a GPU. They've mm-hmm. completely changed the design. And like, this is like 2025. They're, all, they're chasing, they're, it's funny, right? They've spent all this time, Intel, chasing after AMD. And just as they're about to get there, you think, you think, yeah, maybe 2024 is a turnaround year. And then what happens? The entire data center, well, the client computing group market crashed, first of all. And now Mm -hmm. it looks like their data center's about to completely flip from x86 over to GPU. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. So, (laughs) where does that No matter how you dice it, AMD's got the better server CPUs, anyways, and they can bundle their GPUs with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know much I have to say about the data center side of Intel. I think eventually I want to get to talking about their laptops and stuff with you. But in terms of data center, everyone I talk to, they think AMD is going to get to like 40 to 50% server market share in the next year, which is unheard of for what I think our predictions were five years ago. I think we were hoping they get over 30% by now. Yeah. And now it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't know, AMD may get to a server market share where Intel's as a company isn't self-sustainable without even more layoffs well, because think, they, they're they built around having 80% market share. Intel right? are in massive, massive trouble. Like we say this every time. Yeah. Every time I'm on the show, we say the same thing, but it is getting worse. Uh, I am truly, truly fearful for them now because this is, I mean, you say that AMD may be gaining market share, but the big picture here is it's a decline. It's yeah, they're, they're gaining market share compared to Intel, but that market, that x86 CPU market, I'm more worried about that than I am about AMD gaining market share on Intel because if if companies are just not buying it in like x86 anymore, then <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you're gaining gaining share in a market that's cratering while everyone is buying NVIDIA GPU. And that is how I see this going. I mean, I really truly believe that even AMD might be in a lot of trouble here because when you look at the last quarter, it went nowhere in the da- data center. The six, pre- the six months mm. previous to that, we were saying, okay, so Intel, they always have their conference call, first of all. And we looked at their figures and it was diabolical. Their data center revenue was halved or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we would look at that and say, well, that's simple. It's because everybody's buying Epic now. Nobody's buying Xeons, a bunch of crap. Everybody's finally realizing that Epic is far superior. But then AMD went and had another, I mean, they had a bad quarter as well for data center last quarter. And that's what got my alarm bells ringing. And I thought, you know, data center, yeah, they may be making cutbacks, but AMD had steady growth 
in data centre for like three, four quarters, and then all of a sudden, nothing. It did not grow at all last quarter. Uh, but yeah. obviously, I mean, data centre's still been buying products, but it's been NVIDIA GPUs they're buying. And that is why. Uh, that's why Intel and, and AMD had such a poor quarter on top of the mm -hmm. PC market being so bad. But yeah, all of this is moving over to, to graphics. It's <laughs> interesting though, and I talk to people at AMD, they're like, we're still trying, we still can't get enough Milan supply and we're trying to get more Ep, uh, Genoa out there. I think a little bit of that with AMD and a lot, honestly, a lot of what's going on with AMD's earnings right now with relative to data center and AIs, I just think it's timed in a way too, where next quarter is when MI 300s ready and they'll have tons of Genoa supply and they'll be launching all their other stuff. I think there's a little bit here where this isn't the quarter where everything's ready at AMD, but it, yeah. and to be clear, it is for NVIDIA, so it's good exactly. for them. And that's in it. It's already ready for NVIDIA. Yeah, but that's why I keep saying things like, I don't want to make too many overarching predictions this quarter. I want to see how things go in another quarter because I th or two, but frankly, because we need to see quarter three. Because I do think there's a lot of things going on where we might be misjudging the trajectory of each company based on literally what's happening right now you yeah. know benjamin oshley writes and it says hey tom and jim we're great timing for this guest appearance jim releases a video on the mi 300 family and a mere day later tom releases a video on nvidia's financials and how their ai customers are keeping them up right now anyways here's my question for both of you it seems like companies only really need gpus to train the ai and then cpus to handle the input output and piles of gpus are being bought right now for training ai is this a bubble, though, preparing to burst? Is everyone just buying everything up now because they need it now, and then they won't need to buy as much next year? And will AMD's all-in-one offerings mean they come out on top eventually? Thanks. Hope Jim's hay fever gets better soon. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think this is a worthy thing to bring up, though, because, again, it's not the same, but I am seeing some major buzzword AI synergy blockchain of the future NFT stuff talk going on right now, where AI, and again, this is where some people in the comments start screaming at me. I'm not saying AI isn't an important part of our future and clearly at a place that it wasn't at before where it's more useful now. It is, but is it worth what people are saying it's worth? Because it does seem like when you see Elon Musk tweeting, <laughs> frankly, when you see Elon Musk tweeting freaking anything that everyone needs to buy, you've got yeah. to ask yourself, why is he doing that? Yeah. Because he's done that a hundred times and pump and dump things. Yeah, of so course. is there, I'm a little worried there's a bit of a pump and dump going on here and NVIDIA just couldn't sell to blockchain, they sell to AI. I think they're ahead in terms of getting on the ground floor with AI, but there's a lot of companies building their own custom chips. Yeah. And I also share this worry are we so sure everyone's going to need to buy this many cards next year? It just, again, kind of seems like this. Everyone bought laptops in 2021 to work from home, and then they didn't. Is this going to happen to AI in a year or two anyways? It, like, it, this has to be somewhat of a bubble here. Are we so sure this $11 billion revenue is sustainable long-term for NVIDIA, or this is just going to be another good quarter? It's here to stay, as far as I'm concerned. If you consider that we are, yeah, we're not really at the beginning, but we're the, at the beginning of the hype, for sure. The hype over AI is huge, but I've got absolutely no doubts that this is world-changing stuff. Like, this is bigger than the internet, this is bigger than the microchip, probably even, yeah? And as I said, it might even be as big as electricity, even bigger than electricity. I think we're looking at worldwide changes that AI is going to bring. Um, 
I've always been very bullish on it, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think this is here to stay. If, but if you, if, when you say you've always been bullish, you have been for like years? Yeah. yeah. When did you think we'd have self-driving cars? Because right now they seem really good at ramming into ambulances. Yeah, I mean, self-driving cars is a, is a definite tough one. You'll notice looking at NVIDIA's financials that their automotive sales are really, really going nowhere. Like they're stuck below mm-hmm. 300 million a quarter. So it's almost as if they've just given up caring about that as well. <laughs> yeah. That's my thing. Like if you go back a few years, all the video would talk about talk. is self-driving. Yeah, now totally this is all they talk about. Yeah. But the thing is, self-driving is just simply one part of AI. There, are, there is so, so much else that you can add into that. As far as I'm concerned, anything a human being can do, an AI will be able to do it better within a few years. Yeah, anything whatsoever. And that's how I believe that this will go. I mean, even though I'm very bullish on AI, I'm very fearful over the job situation because I think that there's going to be a lot of people out of work because of this. Simply because if you can not pay an AI or you can pay an AI maintenance and that is about it, then why would you pay, you know, why pay a human being? And I'm talking even like bog standard work. Not just. I think there's a lot of things like organizing meetings i think the lowest level kind of like a lot of middle managers probably Uh, secretarial work you know people that like they're doing things for someone else like that's where ai picks up but i think that there's a chance that's somewhat short term and long term some of those jobs are never coming back but some of them are just going to be well you're gonna have one person in charge of organizing far more and the work they do is just less stupid uh, here's the I my personal opinion on the whole job thing is is I think people are overhyping the jobs it will take away in some regards and underhyping it in others. You know, in the U.S., there was this whole debate over like what do we do with a lot of jobs that are becoming obsolete before AI, like coal mining. And there was this meme online, "Learn to Code," which of course was an absurd thing to tell a 50 year old coal miner. Yeah, but mm-hmm. and I could understand why that coal miner was getting mad, but. You know, the funny thing is, is the ones that learn to code are now out of a job because of AI, yeah. not the coal miners. And <laughs> yeah. so I just want to, I do think I need to remind everybody, you know, NVIDIA hyped up self-driving. That one didn't give them anything. And people then said, learn to code. Actually, worst thing to do. So yeah. a lot of the, I think a lot of the macro level things are true, but I, do, I don't think making these specific conclusions is I don't think we should be so sure we're going to predict it right because we haven't for the past 20 years. And I think, in fact, what AI seems to be doing is actually making manual and creative work more important and removing actually more of the computer people that probably probably weren't doing anything anyways half the time. I, I, <laughs> you think, know? I think you're right in saying that there's an awful lot of jobs in computing that could be under threat. I mean, I've been following this really closely and uh, some of the stuff I've seen has just been mind-blowing. Like, I don't know, have you ever used Unity? Like, you know, for, for programming or No, anything? but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw a video where you could get like a Unity API key that, which hooks directly into ChatGPT. And instead of like doing all the work yourself, like the person made this video just simply typed into the, to the API, uh, give me a hundred boxes at random locations. Yeah straight to chat GPT, come straight back, boom, 100 boxes on the screen, right? I mean, this is the kind of like integration we're talking about already. If you can do something like that on Unity, like give me 100 boxes on the screen simply by typing in 
give me 100 boxes at random locations on the screen, then you're talking about something that drastically speeds up your workflow. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's just a very, very simple example right now. But mm -hmm. all of these companies, Unity included, are now looking at ways to integrate, integrate AI into, into their software to make those jobs easier. And literally everything. I mean, what this one will be more interesting to me. But, but I don't think it is going to be literally anything. This is where I have to push back and say, yeah. yeah, just like blockchain can be used for everything, right? Like, no, it will not be literally everything. I think what we're going to find is all companies are going to buy up this stuff. They're going to try to use it for everything. And we're going to find half of the things are useful. And so, you know, there's a lot of innovation going on here. We don't need like someone organizing meetings. AI can do that for sure. Yeah. You know, simple work where it just... Eh, good enough, you know, make a picture that looks like this. Right. But, you know, I've tried to use these AI generators for pictures. They're never what I tell them what I want, yeah. you know? So I don't think so. I think we have to worry about the bubble aspect here where people are going to try to use AI for everything. Everyone's going to buy up all this stock. And then we're going to learn only half of the companies used it well. And half of the uses actually wasted time. Yeah. This always happens with one of these bubbles, whether it's the dot-com bubble, blockchain bubble, which is really not gone, just shifting as people slowly figure out all of these meme things don't do yeah. anything. Um, I, I just have to push back because you say literally everything. NVIDIA is yeah. going to take over the world. Yeah, just like automotive? I don't know. <laughs> I think someone has to push back on you here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair enough point, yeah. I mean, as I said, I am extremely bullish on AI. I think it's going to drive just more innovation in everything, yeah. right? And that's how I'm thinking about yeah. it. And some of the key milestones... Uh, when the iPhone was invented, it wasn't used. I mean, people just made fun of it or something. Yeah. You know, like what what smartphones actually ended up being used for really wasn't phone calls. So, no. like, you know, eventually, I think that's what we have to remember with AI is like, are we so sure? And that's the only thing I'd say with NVIDIA, too, is it's like, well, I think that's why they're so poised to take good advantage of early AI, because they have the best written software and they're easiest to get out, to hit the ground running with. Yeah, that's why they're succeeding right now. I don't know that it's like they make the strongest chips, though, or this is exactly the most efficient. This is exactly why NVIDIA have got such a commanding lead. Yeah, it's software, software, software. It's, uh, it's the same old story, basically. Yeah, you just they're just that far ahead. Jesse here loves sticks, but it definitely wouldn't be healthy if I just let her chow down on them all the time as much as she would like to. The same is usually true for reasonably priced instant meals for humans. It's easy to feel stuck looking for something that's quick to cook, tasty, healthy and cheap all at the same time. Well, unless you consider Vite Ramen, this piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers a ton of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy for you to add protein and other ingredients of your choice to make a complete hearty meal, or their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, whether at the office or at home. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a variety of different products, including special bundles just for Moore's Laws Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes, and other food products, cooking utensils, and more. And when you order this spring, know that Vite just shut down for three months and relaunched their entire operation to improve speed, customer service, and just to improve things in the back end so they can keep up with how popular their product 
has become. Supporting them helps support me. And even just clicking on the link below makes a big difference. But I really do like their product and I recommend it. So if you're hungry for something that's healthy, cheap, and easy to make, check out Vite Ramen and use offer code BROKENSILICON today. Let me throw this at you then. Robert yep. S. Barnes writes in, in your recent MI300 video, you hinted that while chiplets will let AMD throw more transistors at HPC and AI problems, that they are still behind NVIDIA and software. At last year's financial analyst day, Victor Pang made an underreported announcement, which may have been the most important thing he actually said that day. He said that the architectures for AMD's unified AI stack 1 and 2.0, and have you heard anything about this effort? Do you think AMD can close this software gap quickly enough to take advantage of the large language model inferencing driven AI boom? It was slides 23 through 25, by the way, in the slide deck is what he wants to uh, say. Yeah, I had a look at that after reading the question. I thought that was a pretty interesting one. I actually missed last year's analyst day. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if you look at the slide deck, uh, we can see that today, AMD software stack, it's basically split into three. You've got your, their CPU, their GPU, and their PGAs. Yeah? This is simply not helping AMD's case at all, having it you know, split into three. And then if you look at the unified stack 1.0 in the next page, yeah, you can see that it's the front end that they're going to unify first of all. And mm -hmm. this should help like a lot already, just simply having that. Uh, and at, at the last slide is uh, what they're doing with 2.0. And we can see that they're moving to an almost complete all-in-one package with their unified AI stack 2.0. And so this fits their... AMD having CPU, GPU, and FPGAs, this, this is, fits their strategy, yeah? So they're looking to offer a complete package with a relatively seamless software. The problem here for me is, I mean, they really should be at 1.0 already, right? Mm -hmm. They've had Ryzen and RDNA or, you know, CPU, GPU for years now. They've talked about Fusion for years. They really should have been at 1.0 already, yeah? And working towards 2.0. You can allow them the PGA stuff because they only just recently acquired Xilinx, of course. So, you know, maybe they didn't see that one coming. Uh, I think it is really, really important that AMD shows this at their upcoming data center AI thing in mm. what is it, the 13th of June. Yeah, so some of this conversation is a little premature, I guess, because AMD really won't have their answer for... Yeah. Maybe we'll learn a bunch of stuff in two weeks, I guess, to we'll be fair. We'll learn something in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I mean, we know that the hardware's probably going to be really, really good, but Enterprise mm. wants to see, you know, what are you doing on the software side, yeah. AMD? Yeah. Um, so I would love to see them like a working demonstration of this in action. They could put up MI300 up against H100. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we'll see that, but they could do this. And then they could see, look at what her unified API 1.0 now is capable of doing. Just show a simple workflow where, you know, I you think on paper, MI300 should be better. The question is if it has the software, right? Exactly. I mean, it's I got mean, so much silicon in it. I mean, <laughs> it should be better. I mean, if you use something like PyTorch or TensorFlow, I read this so often, so much on Reddit, it's like AMD software just isn't there. And, you know, I'll give you a really simple example here. NVIDIA's got something called TensorFlow 32, right? Which is like, it's a faster version of FP32. FP32 is what TensorFlow and uh, PyTorch are, are basically built on. But NVIDIA's got like a faster version of this basically built into CUDA, right? 
and it's like a drop-in replacement of uh, mm-hmm. FP32. It is slower than FP16, right? Because it's only 19 bits instead of 32 bits or 16 bits. But the thing is, if you've got, if you're using TensorFlow or PyTorch frameworks and you drop in an NVIDIA GPU, it just works. It just works out of the box mm-hmm. and it is faster. But you then plug in, you plug in AMDs like MI250X. It's going to be slower because it's running FP32 instead of like TensorFlow 32. Right? It's running at a true 32 bit. Um, and, you know, this is just a simple example where people expect things to work out the box. I mean, okay, both of them are in- inefficient, right? You don't want to be using TensorFlow 32 or FP32 mm-hmm. for, for like machine language training. But if you just drop those two GPUs into TensorFlow or PyTorch, the NVIDIA solution will be faster simply because of that simple change. Yeah. And if you have to like, if you have to monkey around with the innards and uh, set up a B float 16 or something, people will then say, yeah, AMD software is pretty, sorry, the AMD hardware is pretty fast, but we had to mess around with it to get it working. So it's, mm. this, it's just win-win for NVIDIA. Yeah. You know, literally, I think it was three days ago, I talked to one of my, one of my better contacts who was talking about how, you know, there's like MI250X and how that's really impressive and like how he deals with like servers and stuff. And now everyone's asking to buy up AI stuff. And this person was like, well, do you want any of this AMD stuff? It's actually a lot faster. And everyone just said, no, yeah, no we're not. We're not using AMD. We're going to use NVIDIA. So yeah. again, that's where I have to make sure I make it clear. Now I'm hearing NVIDIA is going to go to the moon pretty much in the AI department for the next, I mean, at least for the next year, probably yeah. I'd say um, the question actually wouldn't be if they are chosen over AMD. The question will be is if the market becomes saturated quicker than people expect. Honestly, it's not like, you know, uh, the only thing I could really see AMD making headway in is if you had someone like Amazon, you know, say, we're going to get it working because we're building a computer with, a, you know, billions of dollars. So yeah. that's the customers where I think AMD is probably yes. poised to beat NVIDIA because their hardware is faster. Yeah. It just, you need a company that's willing to put in, uh, AMD would argue not much effort, but if you're a researcher, you want to do research. You don't want to put an effort into programming, you know? Yeah. I mean, NVIDIA just offers the, the whole package and, uh, yeah, enterprise is all going to go their way as far as I'm concerned. The hyperscales, yeah, I do think there's a chance there for AMD. That's where they basically got built up on Epic to start with. It was the hyperscalers that went with Epic. Uh, they know what to do with it. They don't have, they don't have any worries throwing resources at that. They just want, you know, they wanted the fastest and that's why they went that way. Uh, the biggest problem at this point is time to market. Again, NVIDIA's already there with H100. Mm. MI250X is pretty good, uh, but I think MI300s, you know, it's going to blow that out of the water. But it's not here yet, and it is right now that everyone is scrambling for GPUs, and that's why a lot of minimum. Whether AMD catches up or not, they've missed somewhat of an opportunity here, and it's hard to say if it's luck or not. But because I do remember when NVIDIA announced Hopper and AMD announced MI300, and I was like, well, I know which one looks more impressive to me, and it's only coming out slightly after. I guess that slightly after really mattered, though, this time. Well, yeah, it's actually quite a bit later as well, because I think like H100 was a sampling last September, I think it was. Um, 
AMD have been sampling for a few months now with MI300. And obviously, the, you know, the hyperscalers must be pretty impressed by it. But again, as I said, they, they don't really care about the software. They'll just, you know, they'll fix that problem by themselves. Uh, but enterprise and um, mostly enterprise, they're looking at it and saying, nah, no thanks, we want something that works out of the box and like we want to get our models out as quickly as possible. And if that's what they're thinking, which they are, then they're all buying NVIDIA to get that job done. So Quick Jumper writes in and he asks, Hi, Tom and Jim. Concerning GPU strategy, Tom said that NVIDIA basically doesn't care if AMD makes better gaming chips because they will just become an AI company anyways. But is it possible to create most the most powerful machine learning chips long-term without chiplet technology? To me, it seems like NVIDIA will still have to put a lot of energy into chiplets soon or AMD can just brute force their way into some market share. Um, I think that's a, yeah, and I, that was a video I put out about RDNA 4 versus RTX 5000 strategy, where I was talking to some people at NVIDIA that were like, you know, maybe we'll just make mid-range GPUs long-term with the best software, because we think that'll outsell AMD anyways, and then we're just going to make big AI chips, and, uh, you know, uh, this person said, you know, from, from our perspective, Grace and Hopper are chiplet-based architectures. We just don't plan on doing it the same way AMD is. And yeah. if we need to, we will, which I think sounded a little Intel-esque, although I actually kind of believe NVIDIA because in, they're not bumbling around <laughs> while they make these arguments. Yeah, know? I believe them. Um, I think that but do you, I, don't you think they need to get... Uh, well, I guess I'll say this too. I mean, I haven't leaked it yet, but... There are for sure versions of Blackwell with chiplets. I just think it's a matter of if they bring it to gamers or not. Well, know? that's what I was going to say. They must have something chiplet-based in the works. and probably. But it looks more like MI250X than it does MI300, to be right. clear. It's not like they're doing something crazy like Ponavecchio. I've seen some stuff from NVIDIA recently where it's like, well, it's like it's so they can make a bigger chip. There's two I big mean, chips to me, together or something. The biggest problem that they are facing right now is the size of L2 cache. <clears throat> yeah, cache is becoming a real problem now in manufacturing. And uh, it's a problem that's going to get worse. So to me, the step that AMD already took with uh, RDNA and now CDNA3, uh, that, is, that is the obvious first step for NVIDIA. They want to get that cache onto a separate cache chiplet, which will just allow them to pack more shaders onto like their own GCD die. That's the that is the way to go. Whether or not they do it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to though with Blackwell. I guess I can't say for a hundred percent they won't. But to me, what I've seen kind of just looks like an MI two fifty X thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm talking the AI version. Everyone listening, I'm not saying they're making a gaming chip that's thousands of millimeters squared. I, yeah. does, it sounds like that's unlikely, but the AI chip looks a lot like that. I mean, to me, the, the chiplet strategy is a, is a winning strategy for AMD regarding hardware and performance, no doubt about it. Uh, and <clears throat> that moving the cache onto the cache die was the, the big thing. That's what got me so excited about RDNA 3. Yeah, It gave them the chance to take, you know, to take the lead, which they didn't take, sadly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's simply that was it was that move. It was moving the cache onto the, you know, off, off the main chiplet and onto all those six GCDs or MCDs. That's that's what gave them that chance. I think Nvidia simply has to go that way sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't know. From what I've heard, they're really not though, which is interesting. Now, are again, they would argue they're already using chiplets. Yeah, there will be multi-chip mega. AI things and maybe they still there's a slim chance they'll have a super GPU that's like a thousand millimeters squared or something crazy. 
but it doesn't seem like AMD where they've got very different types of chiplets and tons of them. It, it doesn't seem like they're really going to have that until after Blackwell. And so I guess I'm wondering how much of a headwind, because again, I think what I'm, what I've been trying to say in recent videos and stuff with NVIDIA is it's like, well, they're poised to make a ton of money right now on AI. Yeah. But are there these headwinds people are underestimating as the market becomes saturated, AMD has chiplets, and also maybe they shift to building their own stuff? Like, do you, how big of a headwind do you think this could be, though, that pops up in the next couple of years for NVIDIA that's going to the moon from AI right now? I would say, right, let's live in this like hypothetical fantasy world where AMD suddenly gets all their software fixed on AI and it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Everything just pops in and works absolutely great. And, you know, enterprise starts looking at the overwhelming performance advantage they have and their brilliant, easy-to-use software. Uh, and then that sort of leaves NVIDIA with only the chiplet route as a way back. Yeah, I mean, this is a pure fantasy world we're talking about here, obviously. But for NVIDIA not to have that chiplet architecture would be, to me, absolutely unforgivable for a company of that stature today. And it would be Jensen Wang's worst mistake. So mm. I would say that NVIDIA simply has to have that. It's got to be in the works. Maybe they're keeping it extremely quiet. Yeah, I mean, this might be like in some secret lab two miles underground someplace where literally nobody has heard of it. But NVIDIA has to have that. If they're not working on a proper chiplet architecture... Like Ponte Vecchio MI300 looking thing. Basically, yeah. yeah. They've got to have something like that because they're running out of die space. And we've seen... I mean, they've already lost money, if you look at it this way. They already lost money not being able to supply H100 because that is a mm. bloody big chip. 814 square millimeters, you know... Those are the kind of sizes that are just not easy to yield and you just cannot get hold of the cutting edge wafers for that kind of supply. That, that They obviously had massive demand and they couldn't supply for the past six months, say. Now, yeah, now it's, it's all coming together for them. That's great. But they've lost out there. Yeah, they have definitely lost out. Had they had a chiplet architecture, they could have doubled oh, sales. Yeah, already. Good point, you know, yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting so, to think about. I think, you know, historically, the last, what, seven, eight years, NVIDIA have always launched this absolutely massive chip on the cutting edge node, yeah, like V100 and whatnot. And, you know, even before then, they were quite happy to do that because the margins were huge and it didn't matter if yields weren't that great. The chips were selling for so bloody much anyway, they were still raking the money in. But now with demand basically being so high, they really should have a proper chiplet architecture there where they can supply that demand, basically. Uh, which is why I think they probably they probably do have one in the works. My, yeah, my, they're working on it, but it's not, my, my, my general sense is it's not progressing as fast as you think it would. And which to me would I be guess, bizarre because, and, I mean, Invited, yeah, I know. Yeah. What else well, you think, why wrong? can't they just do it? But I guess maybe AMD really does have something novel here in what they built with their chip. There's no question that when it comes to like innovation, AMD are easily, I would say, the most innovative, innovative hardware company out there. Uh, NVIDIA, even Intel are more innovative than NVIDIA, I would say, these days. But it's been so long now. And I mean, they must have seen this coming years and years ago. Are they just waiting for the right time? Which you could say is now. Yeah, if they've got it now is the right well, time. Well, you know, 
one of the things I was told is in the this is just what the one of the people said to me is, hey, look, we're bigger than AMD. We can s- siphon off yields into debt. You know, we don't really see the point. We can always disable 10% of a yield. And, you know, some of it will go to data center. Some of it will go to mobile. Some of it will go to desktop, depending on where it's best needed. Yeah. And that sh- that's good enough. Monolithic's better. Um, and, you know, the person basically said, you know, we're going to use chiplets when we need to make it bigger. Which was just crazy to me because I was like, well, you do see, though, it's also cheaper. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's cheaper. Like, this is what's getting Intel is they said it made it bigger. No, it made Epic cheaper. Yeah. Like, and I don't know what to say except that, yeah, they're working on chiplets. But it, from what I've, you know, the people I talked to recently, it does not seem like it's as far along as you'd think it would be. It really doesn't. I mean, I, I would find that very surprising, as I said. However, as I also said, you know, if by some miracle in a fantasy world, AMD comes out with something really stunning on the software front very soon, uh, and NVIDIA can't react with chiplets, then, you know, that is a serious, serious error by Jensen Wang, I would say. Uh, one that could see this. I wouldn't say they're government. screwed, though. I would just say no, this, no, they left it open screwed in here. Because people will stick with them regardless, yeah? Even if AMD software is better. As I said earlier, if you've already trained people on using NVIDIA hardware, you know, if, if you're a corporation and your you know, users are trained on using NVIDIA, then why would you, what does it take for you to have to retrain the, those people to use you know, AMD? And yeah, sure, AMD has a, I can't remember what it's called, but they can kind of emulate CUDA in something or other. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, they need to they need to do better with that as well. Uh, there's just there's so many areas that they need to they've got to they've got to nail it to perfection for these corporations to have any real you know, desire to switch away from Nvidia. They could offer price as well, but yeah, does it really matter? Forty thousand versus twenty thousand? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? I guess it depends on how many cards you're buying. But Jensen says the more you buy, the more you save. <laughs> I know. I saw that when I watched the Computex keynote. I mean, there it is. That's very easy to uh, throw into some memes there for sure. Um, you know, to kind of switch gears back though, Matthew Duke writes, Matthias Duke writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom and Jim. In the current market of gamer apathy and AI bubbles, do you think AMD and NVIDIA are actually going to care about making good products for gamers next gen? How do you feel about RDNA 4? I remember you, Jim, being quite bullish about it in the recent past. How's your sentiment on it now? Yeah, I think uh, I probably, it should be pretty obvious how I feel about that. <laughs> now, I, I don't hold, up, hold out much hope at all for PC graphics going forward. I really think we're looking at a situation where it's going to be next-gen, non-cutting-edge tech almost throughout the Maybe not at the very top, as I said, certainly not for NVIDIA. But if you're AMD, you're looking at tiny market share at, at the top end. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, are we, are we really going to go with RDNA 4? Let's say RDNA 4 is already baked in. So, yeah, it won't happen next generation. But for the generation after that? I was going to say, I, I, I've heard um, <laughs> that they're having a lot of headaches because of how complicated the design is. But that RDNA 4, Navi 40, uh, is going for it. Like yeah. It's, it's going to be huge. It's going to be very big. Very, They're going to try to make it powerful. Hopefully they manage to this time. And it's going to be, it's, it's quite an elaborate design. This isn't some, 
throwaway design that's easy to make. So they they seem to be going for it with RDNA yeah. four. Like I would actually bet on it that they but will. You know with this what? One. It would be it would be the perfect way for us to see if PC mm. gamers will ever accept AMD. Yeah, yeah. If AMD could actually come out with a winning yeah. chip with RDNA four and it doesn't sell, then that will probably well be the, the XTX is part. selling though. It yeah, is well, selling. Talk, I'm talking like really sell. I'm talking about challenge Nvidia, as in you know mm-hmm. not be outsold six, seven, eight, nine to one. Yeah, like a real competitor, which actually makes them real money and gains them like real mind share with with gamers. If if AMD ever does, well, if they do release that, so let's say next year or whenever, and I think yeah, probably late next year yeah, or something, and it doesn't get the sales it deserves, then that will be their final attempt. It even trying and i think it would be justified in it i th- i think i agree and you know like when i say early on here i'm i'm seeing some hope in the pc uh market it's because no one bought the 4080 then less than then no one bought the 4070 ti now it's selling okay apparently then the 4070 gets bombed the 4060 ti i mean there's been some reports i put out a video where i was like some of the major retailers in the U.S. said they didn't sell a single 4060 Ti on launch day, <laughs> like in some regions. Uh, whereas the 7600 sold out in some regions in the U.S. So here's and the I thing: go, well, I can just when I see that, that gives me hope. And so, if but you're right though, my hope will. St- what I'm trying to get to is right, but that's just one aspect of it. If AMD makes something that's clearly better in the top and no one buys it, yeah. my hope goes away. I'll say this is a flash in the pan. See, the thing is right. Obviously, the 4060 Ti was extremely poorly received by enthusiasts. But right now, at this point, it's really just enthusiasts that know about it because we're the ones that are following the tech. We're the ones looking at the reviews as soon as they go live at, you know, 9 a.m. American time or whenever. And so we're the ones who would buy that card if it was impressive. Yeah, but nobody's impressed by it. So obviously, sales are going to be pretty poor. Over the coming months, you know, these are gonna these 4060 Ti's are gonna show up in Best Buy or PC World over here. And you know, your average Joe is gonna walk into this shop and say, Oh, a 4060 Ti are only 400 bucks. And that card will come to be one of the most popular cards sold probably within over the next two years, sadly. That's that's what I think. I think you'd be right if it had 16 gigabytes for 400. But Maybe. I think people are gonna walk into the stores and go, Eight gigabytes now. Of course, like even novice six, people have, they'll say, "Why would I buy gigabyte, this?" My sorry, having a sixteen gigabyte card coming, then that'll help to confuse the issue as well for people who <laughs> who just buy a forty sixty and not realizing it's eight gigabytes. So yeah, there is that sort of factor too. But yeah, you're right. The sixteen gigabyte card would probably look a bit more enticing uh, because they'd bucks. say, "Oh, I've got this." What you know, they'd say, "I've got this thirty sixty. Yeah, here's a forty sixty. Oh, it's not, not even more money, and it's yeah. got." more ram but without that more ram thing on this box i do think they'll google and go is this even better you could be it's right been years yeah, you could be right about that for sure i mean nvidia's been taking the piss with all this for so long now eight gigabyte ti's and like 12 gigabyte non-ti's and stuff like that it's just a joke it's what happens when a company gets into a position where they're essentially completely unchallenged yeah, they know that they know that most of the people buying these cards are not really paying any bloody attention. They just buy based on they do. I mean, people do buy based on amount of VRAM. That this is a very old thing, but I think mm. it's mostly based on brand. They will see that you know sixty number and think, oh, uh, forty sixty. 
and they'll know that a TI is a big thing as well. And yeah, sure, they'll look at it and say, well, it's only got 8 gigabyte of VRAM. Oh, it's maybe not great, but it's a 4060 TI. It must be really, really good still. I think that card will sell far, far too well, sadly. I guess we'll see. Um, I do think it's different this time, though. I do. I think it's different this time because yep. had they put 16 gigabytes on the sticker, I think people would have just blindly bought it. I kind of agree with you, actually. Yeah. But without literally anything showing you it's new, you know, and I think people are Googling stuff more often now. I think people walk in, they Google it. Yeah. And I think what what we need to remember is you've said this, and I agree with you on this, what the 560 Ti review said, like the hero of our times. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> the hero of our times, this more expensive 6950 yeah. that is weaker. Like it's it, it that has less RAM, like you know. But Nvidia didn't get the good day one reviews this time. Yeah, true. and that's a pretty big sign that if someone just Google's this thing, I, I've never seen a graphics card get more thoroughly panned in reviews. Honest it's, to God, it's pathetic. It's even worse than the sixty five hundred. Well, the way I'd put it is this: the sixty five hundred XT four gigabyte launched in a time where its main competition was what a three hundred dollars sixteen fifty that was way weaker. The 4060 Ti is like if AMD launched this 6500 XT now. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of shortages. Yeah. And they actually did it. They launched something with half the RAM it should have for more money than it should be outside of shortages with, with I mean, used there's cards. There's no question that that card is absolutely pathetic. Uh, right, which is, I guess I'm just, yeah. I, I guess I'm trying to say I am moving past that though and say, no, I do think it's different. I think all evidence is this is different this time. I really hope so. I really hope so. However, you know what? It doesn't really matter. If that card sells any units, it's, it's a unit too much. It's, that's how bad it is. I still think it'll be very, very popular. Well, people bought the 550 Ti, too. And that's maybe the worst card <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Remember that one? What a card that was. I mean, that was another pathetic card, yeah? <laughs> Even Anantech said it was like the card that didn't matter. That was the headline. NVIDIA's 550 Ti, the card that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But it's still sold by the millions, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we're kind of getting into this conversation. Let me ask, Donald Kerner writes in and he says, Hey, Tom and Jim, with Lovelace being priced severely poorly, could we see Blackwell price better? Typically, when we have a very minor price-to-performance increase, whether it's Fermi 2.0, Maxwell 2.0, Turing, it's usually followed by a large performance increase with minor prices increases or decreases across the stack. However, with Lovelace being so much pricier than Ampere, do we see Blackwell return to a semi-sense of normalcy, at least relatively speaking? Like a, <laughs> I know this is funny, but a, a 50-80 at 900? It's not great, he says, but from an inflationary perspective, I guess it's okay compared to a 650. Well, the 980 was 550, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's just funny to realize, though, like $900 for an 80 would be a, a good change. But um do you think they will adjust their strategy a bit with Blackwell, or do you think they're going to do boom, three nanometer, still whatever, right? 350 millimeters squared, 1200. Do you think they're going to keep it at 1200? This is this basically comes back to what I said earlier that I think it's rather obvious now that the prices of graphics cards, number one, depends on which node that they are manufactured on. Yeah. I mean, NVIDIA's 3000 series was cheap in air quotes, uh, because it was But Samsung. they got such a crazy deal at Samsung, which recently I heard yeah. more about that. One person said they think they were getting the same dollar per transistor as they did for Turing 
which it was better than 12 nanometer though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, that that's why that was so cheap, yeah. And Nvidia had no competition for their own what was it they had on 7 nanometers? I can't remember, but their the 7 nanometer data center chip. That so that wasn't competition there. Yeah. They barely had any 7 nanometer uh, wafer allocation because AMD and Apple basically bought all of that. Mm-hmm. So Nvidia had to go with Samsung 8. Yes, it was I mean, they were quite fast, but the power draw was pathetic. It was out to lunch. And, you know, prices were better than a lot of people would have expected, which has helped to make, you know, prices this generation look really, really bad. But if Blackwell comes out and it's a top-to-bottom 3 nanometer stack, <laughs> you know, you can forget all about a 900 bucks, 50, 80. This thing's going to cost. I mean, they've got an option of dropping it down yet another segment, yeah, like AD105 or AD104. Um We'll call it BW one hundred four or something. Rather than that, rather than it being, you know, the the second or third tier chip, they could drop it down yet another tier, and this thing will maybe be two hundred and twenty square millimeters. How they're going to match the performance of the current forty eighty if they do that, I'm not entirely sure. Nah. but they've already seen that they can launch a forty sixty Ti. Okay, you could say that they didn't get away with it because. The performance was so poor that sometimes it's slower than even a 3060 Ti. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if if they go with the same strategies this year, prices cannot possibly be any lower than what they are uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So it's either an you, older you, node for the 5080 or it's a smaller chip or prices go up. It's one of those three. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, and I guess you could see it being quite a bit faster though on three nanometer with if they really go for big dies but i guess i don't know though i guess we'll see what happens i think it's my opinion on answering this question i it's too soon for me to be sure because like right i mean we all know that apple and and intel have bought up a bunch of tsm tsmc three nanometers right that's all all the talk has been apple and intel buying most of that so where does where did nvidia come into this story yeah if blackwell's top to bottom three nanometers where are they getting all the wafers from? I just don't see it. And those wafers also have to go t- towards AI chips. I mean, I don't know where they're getting the wafers from, if that's the actual case. So to me, it's much more likely they'll stick with four nanometers or something for maybe not the 80 class, but the 70 class and downwards. I think that's probably what's going to happen. You know, they actually thought about using eight nanometer for the lower half of Lovelace. But they apparently wanted uh, such an insane deal from Samsung that Samsung just refused it um, to do that. So I, they've considered doing split generations before. I don't know. From what I'm hearing, they're, they're planning three nanometer, though, basically. I, I guess I could see the, the bottom map being four, though. Literally no well, idea. They're, 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 they're pushing back production. It could be because they need to wait to produce it. Yeah, it could honestly. be. Yeah. It's, go- it's not because it, of yields. Three nanometer is fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been improving like o- over the months. Uh, no, no question about that. But all the all the you know the leaks point to it's been Intel and Apple that have bought all those wafers up. So I guess I mean I guess we'll see. Uh, I just I just don't see see it being a top to bottom launch on certainly not TSMC. They could go to Samsung for the bottom end or maybe even the eighty class and down. Uh, but I just don't see all these being on TSMC three nanometers at least not anytime soon. 
Um, Falta writes in and asks, looking at NVIDIA's current lineup, it seems like a mess. Do you think they'll have a Lovelace refresh, or do you think they're not going to launch anything new to gamers until Blackwell? Yeah, well, we know there's a 4090 Ti must be coming. There was rumors of a 4080 Ti, but that was a mistake uh, at Computex. But, I mean, they've got room to launch a 4080 Ti with a smaller AD102. Yeah, they can cut down that AD102, uh, launch a 4080 Ti, and we can get a slightly faster 4090 Ti based on the full chip. Um, you know, they've yeah, got, they've got know, chances uh, what to... What do you think about this idea, though? Like, I've been thinking of this the past week. Does it make any sense to launch... Look, they're going to have the 4090, 80, 70 Ti, 70... 60Ti, and 60. Should they launch anymore? Should they? The market's down. Everyone's mad at them for their pricing right now, at least in the tech press space. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense to just say, you know what? We have the performance crown. We don't need to launch anything else. Like, I, I mean, That's what I would do if I was them. And, and then if things get bad enough, you just refresh Lovelace as a new generation because why launch a 4090Ti it's going to get bad press because of its price yeah. now. You know what? You can just happen, use the yeah. full chip for a 5090. Exactly. The 3090 Ti. You buy a 3090 Ti for what was it, 2000 plus? And then like, <laughs> for about a week, it six, went down in price pretty Six quick. months later, then they launched the, the 4090 and you feel like an absolute mug. Yeah. Um, it would be the same kind of thing. Hopefully, the press would be awake to that. They could launch a 4080 Ti, which would beat the XTX. Yeah. They could launch that. And they probably should just just to beat the XTX, you know, by a decent margin. Um, uh, what the problem is, what you price that at, though, you know, I'd almost say you'd want to do that if you drop the price on the forty eighty to a grand, which maybe they'd consider they that. that I haven't yeah. heard that's entirely out of the realm of possibility. And maybe even make the forty eighty two hundred forty eighty Ti the same twelve hundred box. Yeah, they mm -hmm. could do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine seeing them doing that. Uh, for sure, at some point this year. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't I, see the point in a 4090 Ti. Why? You have the crown. No, uh, Right now, this market's looking for bargains. They're not looking for paying more money. You just save the 5090. Why would you use better yields for a 4090 Ti when data center is what you're shifting to right yeah, now because the gaming market's that, that is a I point. don't see a point in a 4090 Ti. That, that, that's a, a good point. Uh, if, if they do launch it, it will be like the chips that are really, really inefficient or so. I mean, I really don't think I, there's an awful lot of people buying these cards anyway. We're talking probably tens of thousands of That's units. That's another thing they'd have to think about. You know, I think they've already sold. Honest to God, my estimation would be like half a million 4090s, which in some respects isn't a lot when you consider they sell like a, you know, what is it? I don't know, five to 10 million or more something cards a quarter or something yeah. to gamers. But at the, well, I don't think there's that many people on earth willing to spend that much on a card. You might make the argument, hey, we've already saturated the top end anyways, and yeah. I don't think gamers are going to wait for a 4090 Ti. They probably already bought the 4090. I mean, it's, it kind of comes back to what a lot of the questions tonight have been about uh, from your viewers, like, does NVIDIA even care anymore? Like, almost, this is almost like what this seems like. It's like, do they even care anymore? And uh, I mean, who knows what the answer is to that? It's just getting more and more difficult to tell just how much they give a damn about the PC. Uh, I don't think... You know, you know my answer to that actually is they wish they were selling all of their graphics cards still. They oh, wish yeah. that their 7.2 billion earnings was nine. They do. Oh, yeah, they probably sure. wish that's where it was. So they don't, and I would underline this word, have to. They don't have to care 
right now because yeah. data centers bailed them out. But it's just too early to see where gaming goes. Because if their gaming revenue continued to go down, I think there's a certain point where you go, well, let's not pull an AMD here and like fall asleep at the wheel and <laughs> just yeah. let our gaming just go like we what if AI popped? We, we should probably make sure we keep the gaming line a little healthy. Yeah. Well, we don't know if that's gonna happen yet. And I could almost see like it's almost like they're less likely to do anything if things continue exactly how they are now because right now they're probably selling just enough gpus that they kind of want to keep the prices high if things got better they would probably launch more expensive cards if things got worse they'd probably drop prices and if things stay the same they may try to ride this one out and do a new generation you know yeah um I, you know again like that, that's kind of how i feel about it is we still don't really know if they have to care and you see this comes yet. back to what i was talking about about the nodes that the manufacture chips being so important about. And this is why I'm thinking, you know, maybe Blackwell will be complete three nanometers and maybe, but, but it'll be the, the series. I would say after complete. That. I do know the top chip seems to yeah, be, though. Right. I mean, because what you just talked about there isn't even an issue. They don't even need to think about it if they mm-hmm. don't have their consumer graphics on the same node as their AI and HPC. Yeah. They can just manufacture as much as they damn well please on whatever node yeah so so they don't have that competition for wafers unless they actually set set out that competition for themselves at the beginning and why would they when i'm pretty sure nvidia and jensen know that ai is here to stay in a big way and i think that if if they didn't have plans to do that they're probably seriously thinking about it if not with blackwell but with the the series after that Ever feel like a dog chasing its tail as you scour dozens of eBay postings and CD websites looking for a safe way to get reasonably priced Microsoft software? Well, you don't have to do that. Just go to cdkeyoffer.com. This piece of content is sponsored by cdkeyoffer.com that offers both Microsoft operating systems, office products, select games, and even some gaming hardware peripherals for reasonable prices. And you know, they've been a sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead and the entire team here for years for a reason. They've been good to me. They've been good to Dan. They've been good to dozens of me and Dan's family members and friends for years now. And they've also been good to the Moore's Law is Dead community. So whether you're looking for Steam, EA, Uplay, or PlayStation keys, or of course, Microsoft products or gaming peripherals, support Moore's Law is Dead by using the offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Microsoft products and DieShrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Support Moore's Law is Dead by supporting one of our best long-term sponsors, cdkeyoffer.com today. Um, well, I think this is now a good time to loop into the other kind of file subjects I want to talk about. Yep. Trogdor writes in and says, hi, Tom and Jim. Why do you think there is such a large discrepancy between the recent success and overall mindshare of Ryzen versus the comparatively underperforming Radeon brand? Is it more to do with the recent performance of their respective competitors than any self-inflicted mistakes Radeon has made versus AMD? I think I know what you're going to say, but I wanted to ask this question to switch gears here. Uh, I would say, very simply, Zen wins in everything, RDNA wins in nothing. And there's your answer. It's that damn simple. Yeah. Uh, NVIDIA is far greater competition than Intel. That's what it really comes down to, right? Far better. Like, it's, it's, 
it's not even close. You know, I wrote down a note here to bring this up again uh, as before we switch to like CPUs. Um, you know, when it comes to like AI, I, it's just so funny how we're talking about this and we're like, well, Nvidia's on the ground floor. Floor, they're going to be able to capitalize on this better early on, and then we'll just see if they can continue to double down on it. Well, but at least history tells us Nvidia is really good at planning and making bets. So probably, yeah. At the same time, AMD has this chiplet advantage. They're going to have a hyperscaler advantage. If they get their software together, maybe they can make some big inroads into customers willing to buy a lot at once. Maybe then make some research headway, although NVIDIA is probably going to continue to dominate that for a very long time. And then Intel, oh, Intel's just screwed. They are I mean, screwed. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I they've mean, had just, yeah, they've had that as far as I'm concerned. I, I see no way back for them. No way mm. back for them. That's how bad that is. Yeah, they've got nothing again. What do you mean, Alchemist can run uh, Counter Strike now? You're doing great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. You, I mean, we will have plenty to talk about over the coming years as we watch Intel fall apart, basically completely. Yeah. So point. that's interesting, though. You think you know? I, th- I probably had a couple reader mails about this, but like, y- you think they're just going to fall apart then at this point? You like, who's to say what that really means? I, I'm assuming you're not saying they're going to go out of business in a few years. I mean, the thing is, they, that, they could but... hang on like a Via does, yeah. Or something like that, but oh wow! So you said via. So those are yeah. some fighting words. Basically, All right. So you think bad. You think, think you know what? Bad. Intel's made the wrong bets. Yeah. They're done. Yeah, they made the wrong bets, and they've been chasing AMD for seven years or six, seven years. And sadly for them, it was Nvidia they should have been looking at. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody should have been looking at Nvidia though. <laughs> but sadly, it's Intel that's got all that market to lose. Yeah, and uh, that's who's going to lose it. Well. Yeah, I, so I, th- I think I think unfortunately, yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. I think the AI thing just puts it so much more in perspective how much Intel is just not in a yeah. good position here. They are not in a good position. But, yeah, it doesn't matter how many cores they can slap onto what is it Sierra Forest or whatever, because I just don't think what X eighty six that is too. Honestly, I, I, I think mean, the problem is X eighty six could be on the way out. Yeah, any company coming into AI today. They're not coming in on x86, yeah? It's all like risk 5 and whatnot, yeah? So x86 is just like on the way out. NVIDIA's got their own, what is it, Grace super chip, mm-hmm. yeah? I mean, if, how long before NVIDIA is selling an APU that just sort of plugs into the, you know, all the data centers just buying that instead? It can't be that yeah, far Yeah, AMD's away. already making APUs too, so NVIDIA, Intel's got... Yeah, and yeah, you said Falcon Shores isn't even going to do that anymore. That's it. I mean, they've changed their mind on Falcon Shores, which tells you, well, they had to do it. One, they had to do it, and two, it's just going to delay even more. So, I mean, what have they got? Nothing. They've got nothing left. Well, you know, the one thing I will say is I do hear consistently that Intel's foundries are overperforming. So they might actually catch up to TSMC, in terms of node performance. The one thing I have to say, though, is against that, even if Intel's 10%, maybe 20%, honestly, in node performance ahead of TSMC, TSMC's hard design team and history of being easy to work with. Yeah. People are just going to... That's what I heard a lot from NVIDIA, is that, you know, TSMC is just so much easier to work with than Samsung, too. I mean, like being easy to work with is a good thing, obviously, but not having enough wafers is a terrible thing. To all of these companies, so I yeah. think some people will go to Intel. So go to but Intel the simply I... because there's a lack of uh, a lack of wafers out there. Yeah, that will happen. 
Yes, but I don't think for a couple of years, and no, that's the problem no, too. You know, is you know, Intel might catch up to TSMC. Honestly, in in a year or two, they may be yeah. arguably similar node performance, but no one's going to be the first to go to Intel. They're all going to be on TSMC for the next five years. So the problem I have is, well, Intel's revenue is falling apart. Even if their nodes catch up, are they really going to get a lot of customers on their wafers before their revenue continues to fall apart? Though? It's not just about you know? getting customers. It's about being able to actually manufacture wafers at a competitive rate. So Intel, okay, let's say Intel are faster. Can they really, mm-hmm. like, tw- by 20% compared to TSMC, and you're like an Apple or an AMD, are you going to move over to Intel and pay 20% more? Because, you know, the guys working the fabs in America mm-hmm. are getting paid a hell of a lot more than the guys working the fabs in Taiwan. So, you know, there's, there's higher fixed costs to start with. And, uh, I mean, yeah, this whole IDM thing that Intel's trying, it's been forced on them because... Nobody wants their, their chips anymore, so they're trying to manufacture chips for other companies. But they've got problems by the fact that they're in the USA or Israel or wherever. Um, you know, the, the wages are going to be higher. How can they compete with a TSMC? We've got massive you know, like economies of scale advantage as well. Again, they're the incumbent. And again, a long history of executing on products on time. So if you go to, in, yeah. I've, I've heard some companies are going to go to Intel in a yeah. couple of years, but mm-hmm. I think most people are going to want to see how those pan out I think before a lot they of go companies to them. Will, and that's five years from now. A lot of companies might go to Intel as a little sort of trial run with like products on the margin. But Some, that's not enough to save their... It's not enough. It's not yeah. near enough. It's not soon enough. No. no. So no, I don't really hold out a great deal of hope for IDM either. I just, I think that was a move that was forced on them and it's one that is guaranteed to not really do anything for the company i'm afraid well let me then switch gears to something hopefully that becomes a little more cheerful um i don't know if you've seen you know my strix halo leak and leaks coming out about strix point and laptop competition over the next year it it seems very clear and i guess this is one place where you could see amd really going against nvidia as well in laptop i mean they've got an apu coming out that's 16 cores and 4070 performance a 12 core with 3050 performance, which 3050 is not impressive, but yeah, as a minimum graphics, they'll eh, play every game. Yeah, that's, that's actually kind of yeah. cool. It's not too and much. then they've got, you know, Fire Range, Hawkpoint, Escher, Kraken, which I almost wonder if that was defined leakers. Kraken is spelled wrong on various <laughs> slides, we've noticed, and spelled wrong in different ways sometimes. <laughs> uh, I've seen that one as well. It's K R A C K A N. That's how it's spelled. I've seen I think I saw one that was Owen too. So I don't know if there's just people who can't spell. And sometimes I'm told that is the case, <laughs> yeah. uh, to be honest, actually. Like, I've had an Intel contact tell me, you won't believe how many presentations have absurd spelling issues. <laughs> like, look, we're engineers. We're not, you know, the, the grammar police. But, like, uh, it, well, how do you see laptop competition shaping up over the next year? And does, like, Strix Halo or Sarlacc and Strix Point and all of these, like, like, finally, AMD is going for a ton of different consumer APUs. Does this excite you? I mean, there's another thing that comes into, sorry, how many wafers do they have for this stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, they can only manufacture so many products as well. So, and just how much focus is is that laptop market for AMD? Do they really care about I think it's going to be a big push yeah. next year. Well, if they care enough about it, then, yeah, I can see them certainly taking a, a chunk of share away from Intel there if, if they go for it uh, from the off. 
you know, laptops are looking like one of Intel's best bets for me, though, because everything else is really falling apart. So they'll be desperate to hold on to that. It's the last thing they're kind of competitive in, yeah. you know. They'll be desperate to hold on to that, for sure. Um, but if AMD's got, like, an overwhelming APU, that's going to make that job even even more difficult for them. So, yeah, certainly one to watch. Um, but I'm just, I'm just not sure. I mean, if AMD does go for that, the laptop market, then they're going to lose somewhere else. It, that's the thing. It's almost like, you know, you can't win everywhere. You can... Intel still has a huge amount of manufacturing if people simply wanted their products. <laughs> but nobody <laughs> wants their products. Um, whereas AMD are limited in what they can manufacture at TSMC. There's, there's no question about it. Well, they have taken laptop market share yeah. every year, though, for yeah. like the past four years. Um, and the reason they're hard to get is because people want them, you know? Yeah. But I guess I'd, I'd ask how you where you see this going, though. Because right now, AMD is finally, they said it was in quarter one. Honestly, Phoenix launched quarter two, guys. Let's be honest about that. Mm -hmm. But like Phoenix is launching now. And then Meteor Lake launches I like in three or three to four months. Meteor Lake will have CPU performance, I believe, that's like a bit better in GPU performance that honestly, from the 3D Mark scores I've seen, it's 10% better than okay. Phoenix will be in way more expensive to manufacture than Phoenix. Um, I, I mean, it's like four different chiplets and it's on Intel four and it's, it's pretty elaborate, but I think it'll be a lot more efficient. So right now, Phoenix, basically I see meteor Lake is a more expensive, but kind of better than Phoenix chip. Yeah. Early next year, Strix comes out with full 12 Zen five cores. And you know, me and we know that's going to be at least 25 to 35% better overall, probably. Yeah, probably more. Than Zen 4. Probably more. And then more they've enough. got Fire Range, Strix Halo. I don't think Intel's got anything until late next year with Arrow Lake. And I, from what I've seen, Arrow Lake actually might even be getting recently reduced in performance for the graphics. We'll see, I guess. I have to yeah. double check on that. But, you know, that would place it probably... I don't know. I'm going to guess it's going to be 50% better than Strix. But, you know, it's coming out at the end of the year against Strix Halo. <laughs> so, that, rumor that, I, I'm, that leak that I got a while ago said 320 EUs is what they I've seen that for. too. Yeah. So I'm not disputing that. Now, that's what, the, that's what the, the initial aim was. But, I mean, whether or not... The but I've heard it might change, by the way. And who knows, by the time this video comes out, maybe I'll have a leak next to it. But yeah. I've, I've heard... And you know, you, this is I'm I that the sound of your voice doesn't sound like you're surprised because they keep cutting it <laughs> everything, right? Like Meteor Lake, and they've cut half of their upcoming designs. It, it kind of still seems like they're betting the farm on Arrow Lake, but I guess I've just tried to outline roughly what I think we're gonna see happen, yeah. Over then, and I think Zen 6, they're gonna go for some really elaborate stuff too. Like, do you do you see Intel being able to hold on to laptop market share against that? Because I guess what I'm to not bury the lead. Where I'm looking at it, AMD is ahead of Meteor Lake by launching first, and it's cheaper to make. Now, Meteor Lake comes out. I think it's going to get a lot of design wins because it uses the same base die as Arrow Lake. Yeah. So if you're an OEM, you're just going to design for the future anyways. But after that, I don't know. I just don't. Strix is better than Strix Halo, and then Arrow Lake comes out, but it's coming out later. Is it really going to be better than 16 core Strix Halo? And then you've got Zen 6. I don't know. From where I'm sitting... 
you know, AMD is now going to go for AP way harder with like five different offerings instead of one every year. Yeah. And they're making them on, I think, three, four, and six nanometers so yeah. they can triple source for volume. I don't know. And I think also like Hawk Point and like Escher and Kraken may actually be like new th- six nanometer designs. Yeah. Some of them. So. I mean- you know how where do you I'm, see that going with Intel? Yeah, you know how unimpressed I was with Zen Five being on four nanometers, but now if you consider the the market and how important yeah. three nanometers is going to be for AI, then that's beginning to look like an extremely smart choice now to go on four mm-hmm. nanometers with Zen Five uh, because that's you know they're going to need to get the wafers. Probably not going to be that much competition on four nanometers for AMD. So if they are thinking. And now we're going to take away Intel's laptop market on a slightly backward node, but one that's a fair bit cheaper and one that's slightly better yielding. And Intel's got to pull all this stuff together into a very expensive looking package for our lake. I mean, yeah, there's a fair chance that we could see a decimation there if on Intel's um, uh, laptop market. Plus, if you look at how Intel are likely to go as a company over the next year, which will be chopping people from like every department as the jobs just Mm -hmm. fall apart at Intel. You know, as I just said, uh, like the the laptop market is very important for them and it's starting to look like a a bit of a lifeline for them. So maybe they'll hold on to those people more, uh, give up some desktop people. Maybe the graphics division will just go completely. I mean, I know you've rumored that that. One, uh, once or twice. There's a lot. Well, it depends what you count as the graphics division anymore. Yeah. I mean, they have killed AXG, and then now I think they said that it exists again. I've heard they've, I mean, they, I mean from people I've talked to, they've gutted most of the people who work See, there, bringing so in knows. new people all the time and getting rid of bosses, it simply doesn't work. It's like short-term fix, which doesn't really fix anything, and it just sets you up for more problems in the long term. It looks like Apple. Well, and they've got other companies they can work at. I think people sometimes forget these are real people working at these companies and AMD and NVIDIA are hiring. So if you want to make the best graphics chips, you're really choosing Intel instead of going to NVIDIA or Radeon? Like, really? That's what you're doing? Absolutely not. Uh, Yeah, so that's a big problem for them. Absolutely. But it doesn't matter where you look. All you can see is problems at Intel. And I think the laptop space will be, it will turn into yet another problem for them. I don't think it's as big a problem as what they've got elsewhere, yeah. but it's still, yeah, it's going to be yet more money that they used to have that they don't have. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They've they've got much more of a chance of defending that yeah. than elsewhere, but how are they really going to defend that? Lower margins again? Yeah. Uh, you know, and if AMD is willing to go for it, and I kind of think they will, uh, at least for one year, like you say, maybe they'll give up. Same with RDNA 4 eventually, but I think at least one year they're going to say, we have the money, We have five different APUs. We're going to go for it this time. I don't really know how Intel competes with that because AMD just has better products than basically across the board. Yeah. I mean, when you're you're beaten everywhere, which which they are just about. And uh, I mean, Arrow Lake, we know that's that tile-based thing. How many tiles is it? Six tiles or something like that? The, the margins on yeah, that Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like Meteor Lake. It's just better. Yeah. Like Meteor Lake kind of makes the design, and then this makes the architecture. Kinda. This thing cannot be cheap to produce. Yeah, it simply cannot be mm. that cheap to manufacture and produce because one of the questions was, like, uh, from one of your viewers, talked about, was it yield on packaging? Was that right? Mm-hmm. Which one? Yeah, there that? was one about that. Uh, 
like is there a is there a yield cost to like packaging all these pieces together like what was it 47 tiles on Ponte Vecchio uh is, is there like a a yield penalty for that the answer to that is yes it's not very high um it's it's less than well, it's not very high if there's two right but if yeah. you have 47 if there's 47 from what i read it was less than one percent pair Per die, yeah, you know, less than one percent chance at something failing at the package level. So, and it might even be less than 0.1 percent. So it's a very, very small number. But even if it is like, even if it is that, it's still something that's going to add up over over like hundreds of millions of chips, or even tens of millions of, of packages. They're going to have, mm-hmm. they're going to have a. a that's a lot of silicon you just threw away yeah. too. If he. If indeed you need to throw it away or if, you know, maybe the error comes on something like a, a slice of HBM or something like that or a, or something, you know, one of the cash dies that you can maybe fix or cut off and sell as a cheaper product. There's, there's plenty of options for that. So I don't think it's a massive problem, but certainly <laughs> Ponte Vecchio certainly has more of a problem there than anything else does. Yeah. But it's very difficult mm-hmm. to know the exact failure rates for stuff like that. But from what I've heard, it's less than 1% quite a lot less well and you know i think a thing to remember too is intel's doing tiles now but amd has been doing them since well i mean you could argue 2017 but certainly since zen 2 in 2019 yeah and there are the the reason i suspect by the way that nvidia is maybe behind amd and tiles not by a couple of years, but maybe by five, is because every time AMD's made a new tile generation, yeah. they've learned a little bit about how to get better yields, yes. better package it, better do this, better do that. And the reason NVIDIA isn't rushing forward is they understand. It's kind of like that argument of like what comes after silicon, because yeah. it doesn't need to just be better than silicon. It needs to be better than like 50 years of the most optimized silicon yeah. design we've ever seen we i think that's a little bit of what's going on with nvidia there by the way too, we, almost never see, like, we almost never see something come in and like completely overtake the incumbent i would be very surprised if nvidia's first proper chiplet architecture was better than amd's in any way yeah i'd be very very surprised even with all of nvidia's resources because it's simple it is what you said it's that simple amd have been doing this now for three four years yeah and they're already thinking about what the next stage of like chiplet packaging is. You know, so they're just keeping on making that better and better and better. It's kind of the same as what NVIDIA is like with their software and AI. They've already mm. reached the point that AMD are hoping to reach. And so they're already planning way, way ahead. And you know, based on what they already had, NVIDIA is already planning that far ahead. Uh, so it's very difficult to catch up on the hardware front and on the software front. And they both have like those those specific advantages. Uh, just and, like, and Intel has neither. <laughs> and absolutely nothing that I can really see at all. Um, no. Well, let me, let me steer the question this way, though. Dave Schultz writes in and he says, all right, guys, how's it going? <laughs> With Zen 5 being kept at a maximum of 16 cores for consumers, when will we be seeing 32 cores for the mainstream? Thanks, guys, and take care. And I just kind of also want to turn this into a discussion about like Zen 5 versus Raptor Lake Refresh and Arrow Lake. Like, how do you see that panning out? And do you think it's an issue that top Zen 5 on AM5, at least for now, seems to be 16 cores again? It's probably not a huge issue because we talked about Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake there and what, you know, it's probably not going to be that amazing. Obviously, the big thing on Zen 5 is the IPC. 
we're not getting more than 16 cores, it seems, and uh, it's not very exciting from that perspective. I think Zen 6, yeah, we might see 32 cores, and that mm. will probably be the last Zen, maybe, uh, by that point. Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I've never heard anyone say Zen 7 yet. No, I've really. never heard the Zen 7 think. yet either. And it may well be that by that point, because of AI, everything has completely changed. Do you really want a 32 cores or would you rather have a 16 core, you know, fast 16 core chip with like much better AI capability built in? And, you know, we, we know that this is coming. We've heard about Turin AI and we know that even Zen 4 has got some kind of AI thing in it. I'm not entirely sure. So far, kind of sounds like they were going to have a more upgraded IO die. I'm not actually sure with Zen 5 on desktop. Now, obviously, uh, the APUs will, yeah. but I'm not actually sure the desktop one will yet. I'd imagine they might throw something in there, but so far, the evidence I've seen is that Granite Ridge, which is Zen 5 on desktop, is uh, a bit iterative in its IO die yeah. so far. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they added more, but I don't... It really seems like what they've got is something that costs the same to make as Zen 4, and it's going to be like, again, 25 to 35% better. The real wild card on it is clock speed, right? Yeah. Like, it, And I think that kind of brings it to what your point was with, is 16 cores okay? I go, well, we don't know the clock speed yet, so don't, tell, don't double down that this is what I'm saying. But like, would you rather have a 5.5 gigahertz 32 core that's 20% faster per core than Zen 4? Or would you rather have a 6 gigahertz 16 core that's 25% higher IPC? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, I'd rather have the 16 core. I don't need 32 cores. I'm the so. same. I mean, I don't need 32 cores, so I would probably rather have the 16 core. Even though it's not as, it doesn't really feel as exciting, I would still probably say, yeah, you know what? I'm on Zen 2 right now, so... Thirty-nine-fifty-x, uh, yeah. <laughs> You'd be looking at like triple the performance Basically, per core. Even even though it's the same Maybe number more. of cores, yeah, I would be getting so much more performance out of it that yeah, I would go for that one. I think. Well, you know, this brings up an interesting question with Arrow Lake. So, from what I've heard, I think probably from what you've heard too, Arrow Lake really does seem to have a huge IPC increase. Yeah. Um, and it's probably going to be. I think it's on TSMC three nanometer family. So God knows the clock speed is probably going to be insane. It. Of course, probably 350 watts, but I, I wonder how much you think about this like little core strategy panning out. Like I, I'm just starting to think about this now. Like, do you think there's a chance AMD's insisting on keeping 16 cores on desktop? And maybe they'll add more cores in the future, but the way they see it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe more most software is going to stagnate at 16 cores and then start using AI acceleration for everything else. And Take you know, <laughs> gluing on tons of little cores may actually be the long the wrong move, long term. If actually AI just needs more graphics cards and VPUs yeah. than it does more cores on the desktop. Now, Threadripper is its own thing, but on desktop, maybe we programs. Do we really think programs are going to for like mainstream consumers start asking for sixty four cores Absolutely in not. five years, Absolutely or do you think not. they're just going to say have a good AI engine? Basically, everything should be accelerated way better using an AI engine. I think uh, all the all your apps, all your software, you know, that's what it's going to be looking for in order to like speed speed that up. I think the days of like multiplying cores by two every two or three years they are long long gone now on the desktop at least. Maybe even in servers as well. Uh, that, that's it's an interesting it. question, right? Because there's Turin AI, 
And you see AMD seemingly planning to keep moving forward with more complex AI 64 core chips, yeah. I think. Yeah. Long term, maybe they see on server 64 cores, stronger AI yeah. engine and GPU every gen, not yeah. more cores. The thing, and this is moving so quickly. And uh, we've already, as I already talked about, uh, Intel have basically changed what Falcon Shores was meant to be. You know? And AMD might be looking at their long term roadmaps and thinking, that product that we had planned for 2025, 2026 mm. is now no longer going to be a desirable product because it doesn't have yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. And video, on the other hand, we're just <laughs> going ahead with a roadmap that they always set out and uh, they know exactly where they're going to try and push the industry. So I think, I, I do think it's not just, I mean, I know we've talked a lot about how Intel are in like extremely deep shit here, but I don't think AMD are completely safe with this. Either I really don't, and I'm I'm slightly concerned about what's going to happen to their data center, and then maybe even afterwards, what happens like on the client side of things as well. Yeah, well, it's hard for me to say that until we see what their AI presentation is in a couple of weeks, because yeah. you know they're going to take this extra seriously now. Yeah, and it's you know what though, AMD. The 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 one thing AMD has is they are in. Console, CPU, laptop, data center, AI. They're in everything. Yeah. And they're building multi-chiplet designs for everyone and they can do semi-custom. So there's nothing stopping people from coming over and like custom building their own AI chips with the help of AI. Exactly. I mean, that's they spent 36 billion on Xilinx for a reason. Yeah. And that was one of those big reasons. If you need a very specific, I mean, if you want the very best AI set, uh, AI chips for your company, then you would go to AMD and say, this is exactly what I want. And they will build exactly what you ask for. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, Xilinx are making good money. They made like three billion plus last, uh, for AMD, was it three billion? Can't remember. But they made quite a, a bit, bit of revenue. Uh, you could say that they shored up it, AMD's revenue last quarter, in fact. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what they, you know, they, that's part of the reason for why AMD bought Xilinx. Yeah, it's funny. Eight. You're just realizing both AMD and NVIDIA's earnings were saved by their AI moves yeah, <laughs> in yep. the past quarter. Both of them, really. They probably, yeah. Because the client is, in, is really in the dirt. Uh, so, yeah. If, if you wanted that kind of specific bespoke uh, AI solution, then AMD can give you exactly it. Whereas if you're buying from NVIDIA, you're getting... <laughs> you're buying Jensen's vision of the future, basically, when you buy NVIDIA. Mm -hmm. The way that they think it's The going, future where when you buy more, you, you save, save more. more. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, well, all right. I, I actually got to, I think, most of the main topics of NVIDIA, AMD, Intel here. I've got a few miscellaneous questions, though, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, that I think might be fun to answer. Go for it. Um, so CRCV writes in and asks, Hi, Tom and Jim. The new console generation is now almost three years old. Usually it would mean that we would be close to the half-life of this gen. However, it is also the only console gen which is launched as the world stopped. Yep. Do you think that this will increase the lifespan of that gen to compensate for the pandemic? For example, it becomes an eight-year gen. Or will Sony and Microsoft see an early enough uplift in performance from AMD to maintain a six to seven year generation? I actually had a lot of thoughts on this, but I, I, I'll let you answer first. It's a very interesting question. I've asked myself this as well, uh, because I wonder, obviously the next gen consoles, they'll be staying with AMD. That looks like they've got that, you know, baked in. Yeah, I think so. But 
Again, who are they going to go to? All yeah. the talk, yeah, exactly. All all the talk I had about you know, what's AMD going to manufacture stuff on. I think we can clearly say that the next generation consoles, they're going to be some kind of chiplet architecture, very similar to mm. our DNA uh, three. I would reckon. There's no point in sticking all that cash on. On a, on like a, you could see a custom version of what Strix Halo, uh, or uh, probably the successor to Strix Halo, or yeah, something. Uh, the success, but where they're probably. like, we'll literally use the same chiplets for the CPU that we use on desktop, yeah, and we'll add a different PlayStation iodide graphics portion, yeah. Probably. Uh, regarding the time frame, that is even more interesting because you know, as, as you said, it is like a, or as your viewer said, CRCV. It is like a seven-year turnaround between console generations. We did have the pandemic, and the, I mean, you simply couldn't get hold of an Xbox or a PlayStation 5 for so, so long. And now sales are definitely picking up for them. It feels almost like we didn't have the new generation consoles for about 18 months. So it's, 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 it's as if it's already offset by 18 months, I feel. But then again... Does that mean mm. that it's going to be an extra 18 months before the next one? Because if you think about it, you've got both Sony and Microsoft who want to win that generation, next generation. And if Sony says to themselves, well, you know, PlayStation 5's pent-up demand is still so strong, we might as well just keep selling these. But then Xbox or Microsoft says, well, we're going for the new technology now and we're going for the next-gen console now, like on the, on the typical seven-year time frame. Then that gives Xbox... 18 months of a lead over Sony if they just decide to go with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of a similar thing you're, you're saying. Right? People have asked me, well, a NVIDIA has all of this Lovelace and Ampere oversupply. Will they not release Blackwell for another year? And I'm like, not if Navi 40 is coming out. Yeah. You know, they'll have at least a 5090 to compete with it. They have to, it's, you know, and I think it's the same. This is why there's competition. It's, it's, it's a very interesting question because, yeah, I have thought about it. Like, just how, what's it going to be like? The next gen consoles, what they're going to be like? Again, I, I'm pretty sure that there will be some kind of chiplet architecture there. Exactly what? We don't know. What's the node going to be? I'm pretty sure that it's not going to be, well, I'm pretty sure it won't be the cutting edge node anymore. Just can't do that with console uh, socks. But then again, that depends on how mature the node is by that point. Yeah. So if it's three nanometers, let's say for the sake of argument, it's three nanometers. By the time that, you know, what is it, four years comes around, three nanometers will be quite old. So maybe, yeah, it could be three nanometers then, but we're not quite ready, you know, for the two nanometer stuff or, or wherever TSMC goes next. So there's a lot of well, ifs and buts there. You've got to think about it from like the long-term perspective for like Sony too. They're going to want to sell PlayStation for 10 years. Are you really going to choose a old node when three nanometer is going to be the standard node yeah. for a decade? I mean, three, probably not. Three nanometers is supposed to be a long lasting node because there's a lot of, you know, they're all having some trouble moving over to like get all around and stuff like that, which I think is coming on two nanometers. So three nanometers is expected to last quite a while. Yeah. Uh, probably will be the next console node i reckon but mm -hmm. it's just it's too hard it's too far out to see yet i'm not even sure if sony and microsoft know that yet or if even amd would know that yet yeah well and i thought of it this way i think the pandemic may delay the launch of the pro consoles right yeah. like that makes sense to me uh they're still trying to make enough ps5s number one if you're trying to catch up with demand is make the slims first which I'm actually surprised the PlayStation 
uh, five slim isn't out yet. Yeah. It, to me, sounds like it's they're actually th- this has been shown on they're, they're using six nanometer already in a smaller die. They're uh-huh. just putting it in this oversized box right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think what they decided is we're going to shrink it first. And then instead of like before waiting until we have a new chassis, let's just keep we'll save money just by going to six nanometer itself. Yeah. And there's, I think they're redesigning the shell of it now. And I think the pros are going to be like late next year. Um, and I, but I don't see why that would delay the P- PlayStation six. Cause if like, I think sometimes people need to say out loud what year they're suggesting 2027. Yeah. That's kind of long after yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, if a pro comes out in 2024, I don't see why they'd wait until after 2027. I don't. I think it's all going to come down to what it was always going to come down to. When is the right RDNA and Zen architecture ready? Yeah. Probably RDNA 5, which will be fixed RDNA 4 and then Zen 6. <laughs> Those are probably going to be the two that they go with. Because I think by RDNA 5, they'll have mastered chiplet GPUs. I would you know? agree. That will be the one. I would agree that like the third. both companies will stick to their seven-year turnaround. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think they have to. Yeah, it just, it's still, I, and I'm the one sitting here going, I don't think there should be any pro. Just make a new console every five to six years instead of I every don't know six why to seven. I wouldn't do it, to be honest with you, but yeah, I, I would kind of, but then again, if that was the option right now, uh, it would be, it would be a six nanometer console, I think. <laughs> I don't think it would be a five nanometer console. <laughs> so, it, sort of like, what, if it was this of, year, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is there any real point in doing that, moving from seven to six? How long does that last? Mm-hmm. Five years? Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Three nanometer. I think that's timing it right where it's the long-term node and it won't, it'll have matured and gone down in price a bit. Be basically. Um, Deadeyes writes it. Oh, you know what? Also, by the way, by the time three nanometers mature, there might be finally more competition from Samsung and Intel. So maybe True. there will be reason. Yeah. For them to be able to make them for a reasonable price then yeah. as well, but certainly not now. I think if you go with a um, three nanometer graphics chiplet and stick with maybe a six nanometer cache chiplets, then yeah, that's something that I could certainly imagine right now for the next generation consoles. That's something I certainly expect eventually, and I suspect might happen with Zen 6, is you just have a layer on six nanometer of all the cache connected to everything that needs it above it. Yeah. And then you put the stuff down, and that'll cut costs in half. And You'd want it and, below. And, You'd probably want it below, same as yeah. MI300, uh, simply because, you know, you're not going to lose. You've got a closer connection to the, you know, to the, uh, the logic that way, and you can ramp up clock speeds. So that probably will come below rather than above. And the cost should be right. Below. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, adamantine, I believe, is below as well. So they're all, they're that, all seemingly that's below going as well. Below. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dead Eyes writes in and says, Hi, Tom and Jim. I keep hearing rumblings about new mid gen console refreshes like we had with the Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. But to a large extent, I don't see the point. <laughs> but the, <Yeah. laughs> but the previous refreshes of 4K TVs had become standard, and the console manufacturers needed to make something that would output a picture that wouldn't look like a blurry mess on them. But the current gen, the only really meaningful performance goals I can come up with for them are to chase improved HFR or dramatically increase ray tracing capabilities. But frankly, I don't see where AMD hardware has advanced enough to provide a really significant leap forward in either category without a price hike unless the next RDNA really steps up. Plus, I think having a lot of SKUs to develop for and validate contributes to games 
coming out broken or unfinished. Do you think we will actually see refreshes? If so, how do you think they will differentiate themselves from current consoles? And do you think it would be a significant problem for developers? Well, I'd say two things. I think for like the PlayStation 6 and stuff, I think they'll have the ray tracing they need by then. But for the pros, my opinion is just that, look, I don't, I always heard Sony doesn't want a PS5 Pro. If they do it, it's because they think they have to to compete with Microsoft or yeah. something. I think that's why. I think I think everybody's probably looking at this the same way and thinking, you know, we don't really see the point here. Uh, what could they really feasibly get out of that? Maybe FSR 3 or something? Or I don't know. You know, there's not a... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can see how this might be baked into, like, the PlayStation 6 from the start and the, and the next Xbox from the start. Uh, where all of this IP comes together in a proper console, not like a mid-generation. That it feels either. like a new gen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's nothing there that I can see. But yeah, I mean, maybe they just feel that it needs refreshing. However, I don't see how they would feel that because there was so much pent-up demand that they might as well just keep on selling. Sony are certainly selling a ton of PlayStation still, I think, from what I read recently. And uh, even mm-hmm. Microsoft, they, they, their sales are picked up. Now, they're not doing quite as well as Sony, but you know they're, they're selling about where you might have expected to to sell eighteen months yeah, ago. Yeah, at least so far, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think this generation will hold on better than most generations have done. Where you start to see at the midway point, like less and less sales. Uh, I think this generation will hold on a lot better. Plus, let's be honest, it's it really is a p- pretty impressive machine, given like the the lack of hardware in it. Yeah. 400 bucks and you can play every game basically, basically. at least 1440 you don't have to deal with shitty developer excuses on the PC every like other week saying we're sorry for putting out such an aberration of a console port to you guys <laughs> nor the developers going sorry we're trying our best <laughs> to fit this in 8 gigabytes and use <laughs> yeah. a hard drive still for some stupid reason Yeah, <laughs> they can just say nope we have enough RAM it uses an SSD we're done we don't yep. need to worry about how we program it yeah, I mean, it has been a joke that this, the releases this year on PC have been absolutely pathetic. They really have been. Uh, and it's actually got to the point where it, it kind of feels like the console master race is a real thing. Simply because, I mean, <laughs> whether or not it's 16 megabytes, it's, uh, sorry, 16 gigabytes of VRAM, that's the reason for that. I, I really don't know, but it's been very, very poor stuff. Uh, so many really mediocre, to downright bad releases on the PC that had I not been using my PC for everything as a gamer, mm. I would not even have thought twice about buying a, a console by now. Just, just yeah. to get the co- playable games. I'm looking at picking up Di- uh, Diablo 4 uh, in a week's time. And I was thinking, you know, I would probably be better off playing that on a console than, than the, on the actual PC. <laughs> People get mad, but I sometimes decide that as well, as I'm just like, like I got Elden Ring on PlayStation, yeah. and I'm like, that's a game I'm pretty sure is going to be broken on PC when it comes out. I'm going to use a controller with it either way, so why yeah. would I not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it in, press on. It's it's just, you know what? It starts. There's no DRM. Yep. I don't need to download five launchers and update my drivers. Um, you know, I guess what I would say about the pro consoles, though, is I think there's a bit of a difference. Obviously, there's rumors about all different types of things going around. What And this is three-year-old info, I think. Well two-year-old two i think almost yeah i think late 2021 i put out a leak where it was like at a minimum i got this from someone at amd both uh, sony and microsoft have designed 
elaborate five nanometer consoles. Will yep. they decide to go with them? I don't know. Right. But um, what I've heard recently is that a lot of it's six nanometer refreshes. And I got to say, like on the Xbox side, there's a lot of room here for them to make a pro, they probably call it an elite console without, you know, without actually even needing a new die. Like, Right now, they have a 320-bit bus, but everyone I talk to says the memory segmentation has completely hamstrung its performance. Yeah. All they need to do is give it 20 gigabytes, unified, you know, 20 gigabytes. They're using 16 gigabit and 14 gigabit memory right now. Mm -hmm. They can go to 24 gigabit and have a 50% bandwidth increase. Yeah. Uh, So 50% bandwidth increase on paper and it's unsegmented. That's like another twenty to thirty percent boost, and then just clock it faster. The thing's underclocked. I think they can bring out a console at least fifty percent to double the performance. They probably could, without even yeah, designing a new die. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it, I mean, they certainly did ham- hamstrung themselves there with that. There's no question that the the graphics chip is easily more powerful than the PlayStation's, but it's just falling behind in like game after game, even though it's the more powerful chip. Uh, well, teraflops aren't performance, though, you know. <laughs> True. I think, and I, I think, I think Microsoft, you know, they looked at the PlayStation Four versus Xbox One, and they saw fifty percent higher teraflops, and they said that's where we lost. And then they forgot that they give the gave themselves a third the bandwidth too. Yeah. Like that's why you lost. Yeah, bandwidth, dude. But you know, I, I don't know. I that's one of the most insane. And I learned, you know, like a year ago too. It was all software. Like it could be unified if they wanted it to be, but they they chose to software segment it. It's just. It it, bo- it, blow- it boggles the mind for me. I mean, they've got a history know, but- of making some one of well, curious decisions on their APUs. I mean, the the Xbox One was uh, not had that weird massive light cache on the on the APU. They bet on DDR three. Yeah. Sometimes I forget when I look it up. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it's not even DDR four. It's DDR three. <laughs> that was a curious decision, and uh, yeah, then they've gone and done it again. I think if they just go with simple rather than rather than like trying like some new stuff, then that's probably the best bet for them going forward at least. Because certainly the hardware looked impressive on paper, even though it's down a bit in bandwidth. But yeah, they, they kind of. They kind of haven't really shown as much. Yeah, uh, and then with Sony, I don't really know why they would make anything. I think, if anything, it would just be like an RDNA 2.5 thing where they just like, hey, we're basically taking the 7600. Now it's the PS5 Pro <laughs> and it costs no extra to make, but it has like baked in FSR 3 yeah. and it's like 50% faster. Like, I think that makes sense to me. But even then, I still go, but then you're still making devs program for it. I don't know. I, I that seems a little more likely to me for both companies that they kind of just iterate on six nanometer, than go crazy. But I got to be honest, there are rumors out there that they will go crazy, and I guess we'll see if people want a six hundred dollar console. But granted, if it's six hundred dollars, they'll probably be they'll probably be over twice as strong. So I maybe mean, that is the market would snap up. The market would go crazy for it. I reckon, uh, without any shadow of a doubt, and that might be how they're thinking. It's like they are. They, well, you know what? Yeah, and in a world where Nvidia at Computex says this is the thirty six, the forty sixty Ti, this yeah. can, he's like he's holding up something as powerful as a PS five, claiming it's stronger and it costs the same yeah. as a PS five just for the GPU. Yeah, maybe this is a world where Microsoft and Sony are like, you know, people will buy this over a six hundred dollar fifty sixty, won't they? Come yeah, on, you would think so. Yeah, and you know they're right in, in thinking that. Uh, it certainly makes it more interesting to think about that way based on like the kind of performance they would 
probably get out of a refresh and even yeah the, comp- the comparative performance against nvidia i'm not sure how many console buyers really care about that kind of thing to be honest like you know my console competes with a 2080 which is basically what the both mm-hmm. of them competed against uh which is really is about the level of a 7600 or or perhaps maybe a 4060 ti somewhere in between there you know, actually, it's interesting. Um, Brian Heemskirk's a developer who was uh, who comes on at least every year, and he was talking about how he would estimate it. And I think this was backed up by someone else I had on from Infinity Ward, and they're like, well, the PS5's graphics, uh, if you're doing certain types of geometry and stuff, it actually is about a 2080 Ti, but if you turn up explosions, it goes below a 3060 ti right so if you just turn down explosions yeah. it's actually a 3070 yeah <laughs> you know which is why you tend to see the explosions turn down a little bit on playstation and then on xbox it has more teraflops but then it doesn't have as much bandwidth effectively yeah and so then they're like well explosions but then textures less textures or something and, yeah and uh, th- they're really very performant for their price oh, you yeah, know? No question. like they really are yeah because the devs are forced to wring everything out of them that's why yeah, you've got to like, you've got to get the best performance that they can out of that that you know rather underpowered system, and they tend to do it. So many games look so impressive on console when you, when you compare them to PC. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it's a bit sharper on the PC, but you don't tend to get mm. so many terrible dips and stuff like that when you run out of VRAM. Even if you've got like twelve gigabyte VRAM card, you still see like dips every every now and then. If you're stuck on like eight gigabyte graphics card, then you know that's another. It comes back to one of the questions: Why would anybody even buy an eight gigabyte graphics card today? And if you think mm-hmm. about it in terms of consoles, then yeah, for sure. You know, why would you even buy twelve gigabyte today? You should really be thinking sixteen, uh, and not much lower than that. Yeah, and if we say why would they launch a new console? Do they really need to? What it really comes down to as well, if they're competing with PC. Why would they not? I mean, they can just launch a PS5 Slim for 350, and then they can launch a PS5 Pro that's I don't know 50 to percent or twice as good yeah. for 550 or 600, and they can just be like, this still does the 60 hertz 1440p. This one actually does 4K 60 or higher, and it's cheaper than anything you're gonna get on PC. And oh, look at that! There's all this six nanometer capacity now, so yeah. now we can pump out both without a care in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think that's why they would actually. I'm starting to convince myself they <laughs> definitely yourself would. Now, yeah. Right? yeah, like I heard they were, but I still thought it sounded a little silly to me. But now I, that that's an argument where if I'm Sony and Microsoft, I'm like, we we're, we're stupid if we don't do this. I mean, six you know? nanometer should be no more expensive than seven nanometer, really. Yeah, slightly mm-hmm. smaller, uh, slightly more performance, slight slight power saved. So yeah, why why the hell just not go for it? You know, that's probably what they're thinking. Uh, CRCV writes in and asks, there's been news reports recently of cooperation between both AMD and ARM and Intel and ARM. What's the vision there? Blurring the lines between x86 and ARM eventually or trying to come back into the mobile market? So I've heard absolutely nothing about this whatsoever. Uh, I don't really spend an awful lot of time looking at ARM stuff in all honesty. Yeah. I probably should do. Uh, I'm more interested in what NVIDIA is doing. so well, you know, everyone hyped up ARM like three years ago, yeah. and at a certain point, it just seemed like to me, well, ARM hasn't taken over the world. It seems like x86 was just stagnating because Intel did, and now everyone's going to risk five. So I'm not sure 
I just I don't really see ARM is taking over. I just see ARM, Risk Five, X eighty six. We just have all these options now. Yeah, and I d- that's why I don't really pay attention to it unless I have a reason to. You know, it's just one of those things that yeah. To, to me, you know, ARM is smartphones, and that's kind of where they are. And obviously, they are firmly entrenched there. Uh, whether or not AMD and Intel are caring about getting or trying to, well, Intel's had numerous failed attempts to break into the smartphone market. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMD didn't really try, or certainly not anything that was worth even calling a try. I think they've got enough on their uh, respective plates, basically, without thinking about stuff like this. I think, like, Intel are downscaling. They're not looking to expand into other markets. And AMD, I think they've got enough in their plate without even thinking about that as well, <laughs> in all honesty. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's that important anymore. I mean, margins are pretty small. You, you know, you're either wanting a Samsung or a iPhone anyway, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, and like, why would they be doing it better than Apple does? You know, or, or or Samsung ultimately when they've had so much time iterating on those designs. I, I guess you could see a partnership though, but which is what they're talking about. But yeah. that's probably the answer, right? They're partnering because they're not going to do it better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's probably the answer there. Uh, the only real corporate cooperation I think is lately is the one that we heard about AMD and Microsoft, but that, that this is almost certainly an AI partnership, not n- nothing else. There could be something like that, maybe. But no, I just couldn't, I just don't, I haven't heard anything whatsoever and I can't really think about it hard enough to say, well, it might be about this or it might be about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all the notes and, you know, subjects I had for us to discuss. I yeah. don't know if there was anything else you wanted to talk about, though. Can't really think of a great deal, to be honest. We covered quite a lot there. Uh, looking through the notes, I think we basically went through everything. You know, we even talked about meteor lake for a bit there uh yeah obviously the big story ha- now seems to be and even coming from like your viewers i was surprised at just how many questions there were about ai uh mm-hmm. and uh maybe maybe it's because we both like launched videos on it recently i, I did my mi300 you talked about nvidia's uh, uh blowout quarter that they had there but i think even i think there's a dawning realization on everyone that we're on the cusp of something entirely new which is certainly what i'm hoping for i'm hoping for something entirely new yeah and uh, oh yeah things yeah. are gonna we've we've come out of a decade you know that had a lot <laughs> that honestly just kind of made the things we wanted the previous decade actually work yeah <laughs> i want to yeah. say and now we're going into a decade where i think it's going to be another one of those transitional ones uh like the 2000s where you know the way we're going to do things is probably going to change again yep and we're not really sure how much of it's going to change in what direction until the end of it. And by the end of it, we'll probably be doing things we didn't realize we were going to do. I mean, it's again, it's still just so funny to like think of like iPhones and they're like, what? So it's extra expensive and I can look at pictures and yeah. it wasn't even a phone, you know, and yeah. like what we're going to do with a lot of this AI stuff. It's going to be more than, you know, puppy filters on Instagram. guys. Yeah, like it's, it's going to do more than that. A lot more. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I do I firmly believe that this is life-changing stuff in a lot of ways. Perhaps not in ways that we can maybe think about now, but I mean, one of the things I saw on the BBC recently was that AI, that they had, some, some AI has like found a, if not a cure, but a way to kill a certain virus or 
certain bacteria. Mm. Uh, this is the stuff that's got me really Yeah, this excited. is this type of stuff like folding at home is what we were trying Basically. to do for decades with yeah. supercomputers. And now I think that's going to be one of the biggest breakthroughs is we're going to have yes. more vaccines and solutions to yep. diseases in the next, because we were forced to get good at curing diseases Basically. finally. It's, yeah. This is going to be a runaway effect, pro- accelerated again by AI. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, certainly the medical side of stuff uh, and like, even stuff like genetics could see like massive breakthroughs as well. I mean, you know that I'm I'm re- really into like science stuff even more so than I am into. Like, well, my brother's a geneticist, actually. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. I would love so to. He has to a program, and he like tests and does stuff with programming uh, DNA. Like yeah. he does that. I mean, yeah. that's fascinating. Like, hey, Tom, I, mean, I, I made this fish do that. I would really, if I could choose to be anything else, I would probably. That's what I would choose to work on that. And this, I mean, this field is going to get even more fascinating when you throw AI into the mix and it can just test stuff out like so much faster. It can test stuff out based on models and then give you like a a list of things to try. Whereas, yeah, you could go and test all that yourself and it might take weeks to test like one certain thing. But yeah, I can run through it in like three minutes or something stupid like that and say, here's a list of stuff to try. Try this out. That's That's essentially how they... Yeah, it was on the BBC. I read that article you know, where the AI had helped like uh, these researchers to find like options for killing off this virus or superbug or whatever it was. Absolutely fascinating stuff. <laughs> and as I said, we are right at the beginning, and we're mm-hmm. already finding stuff like this. But, I mean, where is this gonna go? It's AI training AI, not that far away. Yeah, once it, if an AI can. If you can train an AI to do something better than you, then you can train an AI to train another AI to do it better than that previous AI was doing it. Yeah, This stuff just kind of runs away and it, and mm-hmm. it gets to the point where we've got no idea what the AI is doing, probably. Yeah. But it's a very, very exciting time in tech and just to be alive, I think. Or maybe I'm just being hopeful. <laughs> maybe I'm just... I, I, so, I, you know, I think people, I think people lose perspective. It is. And it's like, I, I agree. At least I agree with you. I guess we're not the arbiter of if everything's good, but you know, there's blips and there's ebbs and there's flows, but this is, I would not be picking another year to be alive. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Yeah. This you is going to be one of the most interesting years in tech ever. Maybe not from the perspective of, you know, buying a graphics card and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm at the point now where I've just seen so, so much for like the PC. Uh, the graphics cards are crap, overpriced. The games are terrible. The, they can't, you can't even run 1080p on 8 gigabyte of VRAM anymore. The prices are out to lunch. And I just, but you know, this well, happened before. Like when the 360 and PS3 came out, there were these people like, why do I need two or four cores? Why yeah. am I? You had the one gigabyte 560s. I, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, I feel, I'm sorry. I feel like fi- I think the PC is going through the same thing again, where everyone was warned three years ago, hey, the way games are going to be built is about to change. Yep. Don't go buy a 16 core and a 3090 now yep. because it'll be cheaper in the future. And it is, but it yep. is cheaper now. Yep. But, you know, just keep in mind, there's going to be a rough patch. <laughs> yes. You're going to need to get rid of that hard drive. <laughs> and Three years later, it seems like that's exactly happening. And I think a lot of people are just forgetting three years have passed. Yeah. And like, if we, I think if we give it a year, we'll have a new generation of stuff coming out that actually was built to take on 
the issues we have now. And I think developers will more be more, well, either they'll more come to grips with how to do this, or they'll say, thanks for finally giving us more than eight gigabytes, you know? (laughs) It'll probably be a bit of both, though. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not that worried. I just think um, my, my opinion is you were warned that the 3070 was going to run out of RAM yeah. by a lot of people. And the people who warned you that you shouldn't worry, I don't know. I, I don't know if they just got into this, but like we've seen this game a million times before with like one gigabyte cards and so on and so forth. And the reason why I am so down on it is simply because I don't see that NVIDIA gives a damn and mm. I'm afraid AMD vastly more justifiably based on like how they have historically been treated by PC buyers. They don't give a damn either. And, you know, that's, that is my biggest worry. I, I'm just looking at it thinking neither of these companies needs us. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. The, in the devil's advocate argument I could make basically backing you up though is, all right, so we've got an 83 teraflop 4090. The the best use for this is 5K instead of 4K. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's a bit of an argument there as well. Because um, I saw that during the crypto boom as well, people going, well, you know, can you believe these people using it for mining? And I'm like, you're not solving cancer. <laughs> no. Like, calm down, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, you're just playing the same game at a higher resolution. But no, I think um, I think I think my personal, from what I hear and what I'm seeing, I think AMD is going to make r- a one really big push next year and everything. And if it pays off, I bet they keep doing it. Uh, if it doesn't, I would agree they would be fiscally irresponsible to keep betting on yeah. markets that they never get rewarded. Really, but we're going to have to see them try. First. I really hope that that's. I really hope they give it one last try. That's all I can say. Yeah. If that mm-hmm. is the last try and it fails, then at least they tried. I'm so annoyed at RDNA 3 because they haven't bloody well tried. Yeah, If they try and it backfires or it doesn't work, then finally, you know, none of us can, can say, well, you know what, at least it didn't try. They tried and they mm-hmm. still got nowhere. Everybody still bought NVIDIA on some crappy Samsung node. Uh, less performance, higher power, higher prices. I mean, we've seen it so many times. Uh, so, yeah, to me... That would be one that I would certainly hope that AMD gives it one last try and mm-hmm. and no more than that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure when that try happens or, you know, they launch the $1,500, $8,900 XTX, that's really should be called the 8800 XT, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure we will discuss it in an upcoming episode. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on and I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, well, I guess before I say anything, you know, plug, Whatever you want to again, though, you know, where can people find you? No, just I'll be over at Adobe TV, of course. Uh, I'm probably going to move more towards the AI side of things in case you hadn't figured that one out by now. Uh, yes. It's, <laughs> it's going to take a while before I'm really, you know, really ready to get up to full speed on that. I will always be releasing videos on anything that is really interesting. And if I get a, a good leak, I'm always going to be kicking those out as, as quickly as I can get around to. Apart from that, just like say thanks to thanks to all your listeners. Uh, thanks for having me on the show again. It was, it was great to talk. I find that I find that you know you're pretty easy to bounce ideas off. I think we, we get on pretty well back and forward when we're talking about this kind of thing, and hopefully it makes for some interesting listening to for your viewers. 
Well, I, I think it will. I think it'll be more AI heavy than people expect. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I, I at least trust us enough that if we talk about a subject a lot, it was probably the right decision because it yeah. was more interesting to talk Basically, about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, there will be a link in the description for Adore TV's YouTube channel. Of course, also subscribe to Broken Silicon uh, on your podcast app of choice. Subscribe to Morse Law Z on YouTube. We have a Patreon. Support sponsors if you need any of their products. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Catch you later, guys. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong, we love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it, the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, Z Jits, Daniel D, Aaron Close, Jan Runner, Daniel High, Brian Riggleman, Sam Miller, MJB1, Deke, GZ Ziggies, NSCS. Chalmers, Jerome Ferriera, Andrew S., Falcom Alev, General Drips, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Eric Jackson, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Wanchek, 
Chris Rich, Nicholas Buckner, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Jesse Jaskowiak, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Blake, Hardforum.com, Franco Frederick, Shredbird, Dr. Forbin, Jack, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Zlicky, Ricky Tan, Christopher A. Butler, Stephen Hart, Mean and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Ian Clifford, Travis Gooding, Nanyan, Sammy Malas, Steepest Learners, Mad, Zoot Zoot Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Gross, Stefan, Jordan Simkovic, Amiable Chief, Aaron, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Dewey and Leaked, I Should, Mark Raidmaker, The Boss Haas, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson N, Cameron, Wheezy Sager, Henry Zhang, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Roger Davies, Cameron, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Meyer Tech Rants, Reginald Ari, Tika Autumn, Jackson Miller, Frank Zelensky, Neith Rezenk, The Eternal Dreamers, JSMMH, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, AWS Danny, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I, Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I7117700K, Joe Foote, Hardline, Hardlim, Slush Boss, C2, Jensen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Himsa Gung, Dales2299, Stephen Santiago, John, Siphos, Early Taurus, The Forbidden Juice, Fenty CZ, Kiko Sato, Toka, RB Racer, Sven Der Jensen, AC, Clint Sundin, Ben, Michael Cozy, Do- Dr. J. Mann, Alex Vega, Free D, John Swin, Rodin PC, Joey Strong, Brian Wright, Tim 1K, Joe LaMartina, Kikum, Elber Gun, Solarized 80, Christopher Ricks, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs> 